<laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, well, oh my God, okay. Hi, welcome back, or welcome if you're new here. This is the Relax It's Not That Bad podcast. We talk about mental health, we share personal testimonies, and we discuss the shit that really is that fucking bad. And today we have another special guest, my friend, Chase Rab. Introduce yourself. What's up, some thugs? I'm Chase Rab. You know, I'm just a normal, ordinary dude. He is also a Marine Corps veteran, right? Um, so tell us a little bit about that. So, you know, my time in the Marine Corps was fucking great. And it was also terrible at the same time, <laughs> you know. But it was just kind of one of those things where you, you make it what you... Mm-hmm. You get what you get. Yeah. You know, and... Um, I loved it at times. I hated it at times. I came out hating it. Yeah. Um, but that was probably because of my own personal experiences. Mm -hmm. So you just kind of, you got to give what you get. Yeah. So how long, um, were you in? So I was, I served from 2016 until 2020. Okay. And I deployed once from 2019 until, or May 2019 until November 2019. Okay. And while I was deployed, I served, I mean, from seven different countries um, oh, wow. most of oh, my yeah, time. Cause... Yeah. <clears throat> so I was on a boat. Okay. Uh, most of my time was spent in the Middle East. Okay. Um, I think I spent probably two or three months in the Middle East. And then after that, we kind of just bounced around okay. of different countries through Southeast Asia to everywhere else you okay. know yeah everywhere everywhere except europe yeah so we didn't go to europe and that's probably one of my biggest regrets mm -hmm. is that's because that's where i want to go oh gotcha but yeah so with your time on the ship were there any moments where you noticed um things affecting your mental health or you know was it a pretty good time for you i know for a lot of people being on deployment and then being isolated to a ship um, some people struggle with that and, you know, again, with the isolation and being separated from people and almost being separated from humans, you know, besides the people that you work with, where did you have any struggles with that or, you know, how did, how so that? basically what it was is, so I was on a ship with maybe 350 people on it Okay. and I deployed the guys I deployed with, I've known them for a year and a half, give or take some of the guys, not so much. Um, but when I deployed, I was in a squad bay or a, we call them birthings on ship. So okay. I was deployed with 73 different guys and in my room is basically a big room with, we got, we we're sleeping three on top of each other. So okay. it wasn't necessarily the easiest cause we're sleeping in confined spaces and stuff yeah. like that. You know, we shared four shower stalls and stuff like oh, that. Man. Four shower stalls, I think three toilets and two urinals, you know, for I mean, seven months <clears throat> and it definitely, I didn't notice that it took a toll on my mental health until probably on the way back. Mm -hmm. We knew we were on our way back because of, of the captain of the ship told us. And so we we're kind of in higher spirits originally when we first started on our way back. But um, we went through so many time zones and stuff like that, that it was kind of hard to adjust to anything to sleeping mm -hmm. to eating and stuff like that so um i started taking like melatonin and stuff like that so when we were in i think we we're in japan and that was probably about the midpoint of my deployment so i started taking like 10 milligrams and 15 milligrams of melatonin 
and to the point where it, it got down to like, I was taking 30 milligrams. Yeah. And once I started getting into the higher dosages and stuff like that, I couldn't, I would sleep, mm -hmm. but I was having, my, my dreams were so lucid yeah. that I would wake up in a panic attack. Yeah. And, um, as far as the other aspect of like depression and anxiety and stuff like that, I didn't really have a whole lot of anxiety because the Marine Corps was all I had known in my, yeah. I guess you want to say grown up years. Yeah. But, um, it was to the point where I was like, man, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't really, I know these guys, but I want to go back home. Yeah. And, I didn't really know what home life was like at, at that point, you yeah. know, because all I'd known was I wake up, I go work out, I eat, I eat again, I train, I go work out again, and I go to sleep. Yeah. So my normal day on the ship consisted of I'd wake up about one o'clock in the morning, go work out for an hour, I'd get, I'd eat something, you know, whatever it may be. And then by that time, everybody was starting to get up and kind of mm -hmm. do their own thing and then I would get ready, go do our thing, go train, whatever it may be was on the schedule for the day. Yeah. And then I'd go eat again. I'd come back to our birthing. We'd, I'd read a book and then I'd go work out again and I'd go to sleep. And I'd wake up back again at one o'clock. Yeah, so just very run-of-the-mill strict routine. It's very routine. So it, every everybody has a routine. Everybody's routine is different. Yeah. And, but when I would go to sleep, I would take melatonin and stuff like that to help me go to sleep because of the time zone differences. We, yeah. we went through, I think, four or five different time zones while we were deployed. And my sleep schedule was just so out of whack that it was yeah. just, it, it, it wasn't cutting it, you yeah. know? And so, but when I would take those that melatonin or whatever, like I was telling you, my dreams were so lucid that I would wake up in a panic attack. I would... I'd have to get up and go do something to, yeah. just to get out of bed and stuff like that. So it wasn't very pleasant, mm -hmm. I guess. But, you know, I'd go and email my wife and stuff back home and thank God she'd be up. So, yeah. and then it was at like three o'clock in the morning, their time or our time now. Yeah. But um, she'd email back. We'd probably exchange five or six emails and then I'd go about my weary, weary day. Yeah. But, so did you, so being that you were in such a strict routine on the ship when you got back was that like a hard adjustment for you like coming out of that routine and having to find a new one or was it more so like you were able you were it was easier for you having your wife and having you know a, that sense of home and it wasn't it wasn't as bad as many people have it because when we got back well at least when we got to the United States waters mm -hmm. um, we stopped in Hawaii for a week so we kind of like readjusted to the to time schedule as, as best as we could and then from Hawaii back we, we spent two weeks going back to the San Diego Bay okay. and um, so when we got back we got back to San Diego loaded all of our all of our stuff up and shipped up north to uh, the Camp Pendleton and um, when we got there, we kind of, it was all of our, my uh, commanding officers and stuff like that were kind of like holding us back from our families and stuff to kind of mm -hmm. make sure we got everything done for the yeah, military they side. Yeah, let y'all go. Yeah. And then where our armory was, where we get all of our rifles and stuff like that, our barracks were not even a block over. Okay. So like we could hear everybody cheering and stuff like that. And it was 730 at night, so nobody was awake doing anything. Yeah. And um, 
we marched down from our from our armory and then took a left and then from there they stopped us and uh i remember my buddy's wife he we're in formation still so we don't get we can't do anything in formation except be marines yeah until we get dismissed right mm -hmm. and um my buddy's wife had like ran up to him and i like, gave him a hug and he's like no i'm not done yet like yeah. like go go back to the Aww, crowd yeah. or whatever and i we were just sitting there laughing and giggling and stuff like that. You know, stuff that we could lighten the mood. Yeah. And then we got dismissed and stuff like that. So then we could go and be with our families and stuff like that. And it was just my wife there for me. But, you know, I'm not opposed to that. You know, yeah. I didn't think anybody was going to be there. But yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I'm glad she was there. I'm sure she loved it, too. I'm sure she, like, really missed you. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, seven months is not the longest but you know it's a long, it ass a time, long time from being away from your significant other for sure yeah like especially um i mean i only have like like the the wife side of it you know yeah. with yeah, Jack being deployed and stuff like that but looking back you're like oh you know like it kind of went quick but when you're the thick of it it's like it feels like it's dragging on you know yeah. and like i know that you know y'all don't have kids so it's a little bit of a different experience yeah. You know, but um, I know at least for Zach's first deployment, you know, it was just like, what the fuck is happening? And <laughs> yeah. I literally, yeah. I was like, I, there's no way I'm going to like survive this, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it like from the wife's perspective, it definitely, there were so many nights, so many nights I went to bed just crying my eyes out because, you know, when you marry somebody, especially in the military, it can feel isolating whenever you because you love this person you know so you're gonna move with them you're gonna yeah. go with them to every station you know and i i know some people like don't do that i don't understand not doing that you know if you're married i feel like you should move with the person you're married to but i know that's not how some people roll um but i am one of those people that you know will go with my husband always wherever you know and so with that you're letting go of friendships and, you know, people that you grew up with and family and stuff like that. So it can be hard. And so I'm sure she was probably just standing there just like aching, just like, please let me fucking touch him. Because oh, yeah. You know, you, you go so many months and it's just like, I don't know. It's just it's it's like mixed. It's like half of you is like, oh, man, like I don't really know this person. But then the other half of you, it's like that nostalgia is just like uh, like that that person that grounds you, you know, and that is your home, they're finally with you again. You don't feel so lost. You don't feel so alone. And, you know, it's finally like, okay, now I don't have to worry about people asking me, where's your husband at, you know? And yeah, then, no, absolutely. That used to always, I wouldn't say trigger me, but with his first deployment, I took the boys to my friend's daughter's birthday party and I was doing so good. You know, I was handling everything really well. The first couple of weeks I was super depressed. Um, but I mean, it's normal, you know? Yeah. You know, like I, I was handling everything and I was, I was doing really good. It had been probably a month since I had cried about anything and I was just rocking and rolling and I was the only person who showed up and this was another military spouse. And so yeah. I was the only person who showed up who didn't have her spouse there. And, you know, people were kind of giving me weird looks and nobody said anything. Um, but then one of my friend's family members were, was like, oh, where's your husband? I was like, oh, he's at work, you know. And she was like, oh, okay, is he going to come here, like, when he gets off? And I was like, oh, no, he's, like, overseas, you know. At the time, he was in Iraq. And so, yeah. um, and that wasn't, like, a good time yeah, for well, the that's... military, you know. Yeah. And so it was, like, it was really hard. And 
I was holding it together and she was like, as soon as she was like, oh my God, honey, I had no idea. I'm so sorry. Immediately I was like, <laughs> yeah. I got to go to the backyard real quick yeah. and I, like smoke a cigarette, like calm down, you know, because nobody wants to cry at a birthday party for a little yeah. kid. And so, but it definitely like in that moment, it just like hit me like, oh shit, you're right. Like he's not in a good place, you know, and that's when they like pay him extra money because they're in a danger zone. I think it's called, um, combat pay. Yeah. Yeah. Combat mm. pay. And so, you know, it was like. People were trying to bring that up, like, oh, well, at least he's getting combat pay. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah you know. Yeah, like, that makes me feel so much better. Yeah, if something <laughs> happens to him, at least he got paid for it to happen to him, you know. Yeah. And so, like, th but no, but that time definitely seems, it, it seems short when you look back at it. And you realize mm. how fast seven months can fly by. But definitely in that time. I know as a spouse, it drags, it, yeah. And so know, I can it, only imagine it, how it is for you guys. It drags for the service member, too, you know. But, like, like you're saying that, like, oh, he's, he's here and so, like, it's so hard not to tell, like when I was emailing my wife back and forth and stuff like that, it was so hard not to tell her like, oh, we're going here, we're going here, you know, like I'm getting to see all these decent, I'll, I'll call them decent places, you yeah. know, because we never got, we never went to anything super nice. The nicest place we went to was Qatar, and that's yeah. like a, a cheaper Djibouti, or not, I'm sorry, not a cheaper Djibouti, but a, a cheaper Dubai, okay. you know, and stuff like that. But I turned 21 right before we got to, uh, oh, right before we got to Qatar, you know, that was terrible. But, you know, and what's terrible during my, what was terrible during my deployment was while we were over there, we were circling the Middle East for a little bit, and... Um, that was when all that stuff with the the British oil tankers, like the Yemen's, were oh, yeah, using yeah. the British oil tankers. Like I was over there that whole entire time, mm -hmm. you know. And um, we went through this place called the Strait of Hormuz, which is where Yemen and Egypt border each other. Okay. And the tensions were high between those two, so we had to escort so many, you know, cargo ships and stuff mm -hmm. like that. And so we would send platoons and teams to go, uh, basically run security for these ships that weren't ours weren't america's yeah. at least they were part of the U united nations but yeah um they weren't ours and so while we were doing that we had 24-hour security we had you know everything and they told us beforehand they were like hey listen like you're gonna have these guys um come up on boats and there's gonna be two men in a boat and they're, they're they look like banana boats but they're gonna have one on the driver's seat and one on a machine gun yeah and so i was i was on a machine gun on the uh the starboard side of the ship and which is like the the left side of the ship okay i was like yeah sorry i don't know what that means <laughs> but yeah i was on the left side of the ship okay. and i was on a machine gun uh so i've been versed in you know i was a i was a crew serve team leader so i i knew my way around every machine gun that the Marine corps uses and so as soon as i was trading off with the guys that i was relieving the guys that were already on mm -hmm. um an Iranian Navy naval helicopter came flying by and it was so close that I could see everybody I could see all the distinct facial features of everybody that's in there mm -hmm. I could throw a rock and hit the helicopter you know and um, so I was like man you know this is it this is where this is where I get to I get to see the action that I joined for and yeah. um, nothing ever happened you know because as soon as that helicopter flew by one of our our Navy helicopters was chasing it I mean probably 30 yards from each other you know they were right on each other's tail and uh it was definitely like a high tense situation high mm -hmm. stress situation and yeah. stuff like that but after that um as we were flying by or as we were floating by um the straight uh we didn't really get anything after that we got a couple of the boats and stuff that would come up and they would get just within 
our radius to where uh, we call him a glow, but he's our, our guns liaison officer. So mm -hmm. he's the one that tells everybody like, oh yeah, you can open fire on them or okay. stuff like that. But he would be like, he'd have to announce like per UN rules, you have to announce, hey, this is US vessel or United States vessel, yeah. so-and-so and, -so, and um, just be advised you are within lethal range and stuff like that. Yeah. And after the first warning, it's, it's free game afterwards. We ha so after the first warning, we have to shoot. We're authorized to shoot lethal or, uh, warning shots. Mm -hmm. So we can't hit the boat. We have to shoot off to the whatever left or right, wherever yeah. we are of them. And then after that, after the second warning, the third warning, it's not a warning anymore. Yeah. You know, like we can light them up. But it never got to that point because they were basically what they were trying to do is entice a war between the United Nations and whoever it may be the, the yeah. houthi or yemen or whatever it may be you know yeah. but it was i was like my adrenaline was kicking the entire time yeah. i had a gopro on my head on my helmet and stuff like that i was recording the whole thing and it was super cool like i've still got some of that gopro footage from then mm -hmm. and i'll tell i'll show people when i have it pulled up and stuff like that and they're like oh dude that's cool but nobody understands like yeah. exactly like the, the adrenaline that pumps yeah. unless they've been unless they've been there and done that yeah. you know i definitely like when my husband would tell me about different things that he experienced in iraq and then in syria you know there's i mean i already don't really understand a lot of things when it comes to the military i try to understand the best that i can but also like my brain sucks, so I forget a lot of shit, so he, I feel like he's constantly having to, like, re-explain things, you know, and, like, I can see, like, as he's, like, reliving these memories, you know, like, you, you can see, like, his blood is, like, going, and he's getting riled up all over again, you know, and mm -hmm. so I definitely, like, the only way that I can relate to that is, like, through my own stuff, like, when I, when I talk about my own fucked up shit, you know, yeah. I, I get that same feeling of, it's just, like, a rush coming back, you know? And so I can imagine, like, it, it being hard to, like, translate over to people who haven't been in that position or, like you said, gone through it and stuff like that. And yeah, it's kind of hard for them to understand, like, like the almost like, uh, like buck fever, you know? Like, yeah, yeah, then absolutely. you get that first buck and you're like, oh my God, oh my God. And you're like, <laughs> you're like losing your face. It's almost, I feel like it's almost like that. Like that adrenaline is just pumping and pumping and pumping. And I can't imagine, you know, being in a situation where like, well, I can't, uh, I mean, my life has been on the line before, but not in a situation, not as an adult, you know, not in a yeah. situation like that. So I can imagine like, that must've been just, oh my God, I probably would have peed my pants. <laughs> There's no way I would have been able to see that and been like, this is totally fine. This is cool. I'm good. I would have just started crying immediately. Yeah. And, that, <laughs> like, and that's what's crazy. That's what's crazy about the, the, the service members and stuff like that is like you, you're in those high tense situations and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You have to, you've been trained to keep your composure. Yeah. So it's kind of like one of those things where you're, you know, your adrenaline's pumping, you know, your heart's beating faster, whatever, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. But you're like, man, I, I'm keeping my composure here, you know? Yeah. I mean, I've been in the situations where, like, I've I've not necessarily froze, but I've I've kind of like blanked a little bit, and yeah. I have to take some time to myself and be like, "Hey, listen, this is what's going on. This is serious, and yeah. you need to get your shit together." Yeah. So, um, especially in that kind of situation, like, it, it's totally normal for people to have to like take a minute and like rein it the fuck in and be like, oh, "Okay, yeah. like, I need to survive." Like, I need this. to get my like, shit on fucking yeah, stat yeah. right here. So. During those moments, like, what was it like for you in those moments? Uh, so one of them that I re recollect, though, 
pretty often, honestly. It's it's as sad as it is to say. Um, I was back from deployment. I was back home. And I was training. Um, we had a the Marine Corps has a big uh, exercise event. I'd call it. It's at Twenty Nine Palms, California. So it's okay. in the desert. Um, it's called ITX. Okay. So it's thirty. It's a thirty day long op. So you're gone for a month. And so we went over there after I deployed, and we had a bunch of new faces and stuff like that. And these guys were some of them were very new to the unit we'll say that they've been there for maybe a month you mm -hmm. know and that's not always good um because they've got to get the training that they need yeah. and stuff like that and um, a lot of them are complacent because they don't know how a, a fleet unit works yeah um so they'll you know fall asleep at night and stuff like that and other things ensue after that yeah. after they're caught but um one night in particular um stands out to me we were uh we were doing split split operations um so basically uh second platoon and first platoon of my unit we split off and what we were trying to do is we we're trying to shoot move and communicate without getting caught by mm -hmm. aerial observers by anybody mm -hmm. and first platoon um which was not my not the platoon that i was with um, they were moving at night and when we move at night, all of our vehicles and stuff, cause I was artillery. So we had towed, towed cannons and towed howitzers. So, um, we had big trucks that we moved them with. And when we move at night, it's very, very low visibility. So no headlights, no nothing. We have night vision goggles that we use. Cause you're trying to stay like incognito. Incognito. Yeah, essentially. And we had night vision goggles and the the night vision goggles we used were used back in you know kuwait they, so they were just okay. a, a just a single monocle night vision goggle it's green they're all fuzzy because they're not adjusted right nobody knows how to adjust them right and they're just old you yeah. know outdated technology but we were moving or they were moving sorry and um no headlights no nothing we have one little uh infrared light that we use on the front of our trucks to see five feet in front of us maybe okay and as they were moving they were taking a turn and when they took that turn uh the driver of the vehicle took it a little little wide and so he went into a ditch oh let me let me backtrace real quick so the trucks that we were using were trucks that we've never used before okay um they we call them armadillos basically they're they're um up armored big seven tons so they're they're big trucks They've got a lot of extra armor and we've never used them before, okay. you know, because while we were overseas in our deployment, we used uh, completely different vehicle systems. But while we were in the United States training or whatever, he, he took a, a, a turn too wide and he rolled his truck. Well, when that truck rolled, he's got six guys in the back. Oh, damn. Okay. And it's a troop transport, but it's also a, a cannon transport, right? And so when that truck rolled, the cannon kind of went into the ditch that he had rolled into and thank the God, thank the Lord, you know, whatever you want to want to call it or whatever, but the cannon didn't roll. Because if the cannon rolled, it would have been a whole different scenario. Yeah. And I was in the middle of nowhere in the desert, you know, and we were playing cards or I was looking up at the stars doing whatever the, whatever the fuck I was doing, you know, and we had a young radio operator with us sitting in the back of a Humvee monitoring the radios and over our battalion comms or our radio that we use to speak inter inter unit okay. and um we've been 
so we've been versed in some of the lingo that comes on and just mm -hmm. just me being um senior to these guys a lot of these guys that i was uh with um when you hear rollover that's you know shit's going down you yeah. know it's serious and so we were sitting there it was probably 11 30 12 o'clock at night and i heard over the radio i was sitting on the i, I remember this so vividly I was sitting on the, the cab, on the top of the cab of our seven ton that we were on. And I was laying on my back, looking up at the stars, just fucking off basically, you know, mm -hmm. trying to get some sleep when I could. And I hear rollover on the radio and I sit up and I look at my radio operator and my radio operator is frozen. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know what to say. And I'm like, so-and-so, you know, like tell them to say again their last, you know, like yeah. this is, this may be serious. Yeah. And he's all like, uh, 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 like frozen. You, yeah. you can tell he just shit hit the fan and he was gone. Yeah. His mind was just not there. And I said, all right, cool. So I hopped down off the seven ton in his agile way that I could, you know, yeah. cause they're tall, you know, they're probably 13 feet off the ground. Yeah. So I hopped down and I kicked them off of the hooks, which is what we call the radios the, or the, the handsets that we use. And I said, get the fuck off, you know, dude. Yeah. So I used, I kind of, as soon as I got there, we had two radios. One of them was, like I said, to our internal loop. Mm -hmm. And the other one was to our range safety. Okay. And so I got the internal loop and I said, last calling station, say getting your last. And it was my operations chief for our platoon or for our, for our unit or whatever it may be. And he said, I say again, roll over, roll over, roll over. And then you could see him, you could hear the the screams in the background from the, yeah. some of the guys that you know that that were in my unit and um his voice was cracking and stuff like oh, that man. and so what's crazy about it is <laughs> i don't know if this is this happened long like along the line or whatever but um you could hear him his voice was cracking and stuff like that and i said um he said roll over roll over roll over and i said roger um be advised is there any any injured and stuff like that because if there's somebody injured you know automatically i take over and i write we call it a nine line which is a medevac okay and so i'm pulling out my sheet so that i can start writing down you know what the injury is if they're who it is, who it is stuff like that you know and it's a big long list it's it's nine lines of information that i have to write down for every single person okay and um so we we're i was talking to him and he and I couldn't even get a single, you know, name down or anything yeah. like that because he was, he was cussing and he was stuff like that. Well, we were always taught on when you're talking on the radio in a military setting that if you cuss, it's it's a twenty five thousand dollar fine. Well, that dude would have racked up probably four hundred, five hundred thousand yeah. dollars worth of fines because it was just in the heat of the situation and it was serious. Well, I noticed while I was talking to him between them and between range safety. Um, <laughs> uh this is <laughs> I'll, I'll get there later but <laughs> while i was talking to, between them and range safety i was like hey man i need uh we call them zap numbers so basically it's the first your initials and then it's your last four of your we call it edipi or your your military service number okay. and so i'm trying to write all these down and write their symptoms and stuff like that and range safety's like roger what's your what's your call sign and i'm like roger this is archangel and I was like, at this time, we were assigned to a different unit mm -hmm. in 29 Palms. So we were under 3rd Battalion, 11th Marines. And so I told him, I was like, Roger, this is Archangel 311. And he's like, wait one. 
you know, so he went back and pulled up our unit. And he goes, I'm not getting an Archangel 311. I was like, motherfucker. I was like, this is Archangel 111 then. I was like, I'm going back to the roots where we're at Pendleton, you know. Yeah. And so I told him, I was like, this is Archangel 111. He's like, Roger, I hear you. And meanwhile, like, my adrenaline's pumping, you know, so I'm shaking. I'm trying to write this stuff down. I'm yeah, talking. You're, like, talking to this yeah. guy and talking to this guy. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things, you know, like, because I've got two radio sets right here and I've got a notebook in front of me. So I'm trying to get every, every yeah. bit of information that I can. And, you know, and this dude's the dude from range safety that I'm talking to. He's like, yeah, all right, buddy. You know, like, like he just woke up from a nap. Yeah, like he doesn't give a fuck. He doesn't give a fuck, you know? And so he's like, Roger, I need, I need your coordinates before I can get a bird in the air. So I'm coming back over, talking to, him, to my operations chief. I'm like, uh, <clears throat> at that time, his call sign was Archangel 48. And I was like, Archangel 48, be advised, uh, I don't even know where our call sign was, but I was like, Archangel 2 Alpha needs your uh, needs your coordinates so mm -hmm. we can get the bird in the air. And he was freaking out. He didn't have anything to pull the coordinates or anything like yeah. that. So we had to go talk to the, um, whoever was driving the vehicle, their passenger rider that was with them in front had a, we call them Gore, uh, Garmin's or yeah. uh, Gore-Tex yeah. or whatever, yeah. you know, but. He had to pull the coordinates right then and there. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, Roger, I need I need that those coordinates now so I can get the bird in the air. And it kept it I mean, it felt like forever, but I mean yeah. it was probably five minutes at most. Yeah. You know, so I got the coordinates, sent it up to him, and then they got the bird in the air, they landed. Uh thankfully nobody nobody got seriously injured. Some mm -hmm. of them had uh I think two or three of them had to go undergo surgery or whatever for broken bones and stuff, but um that definitely set the pace for the the Marine Corps that is that is now, yeah. you know, because nowadays I've been talking to some of the guys that I've been in with, and I, when I got out, they they stayed in, mm -hmm. and they're like, <clears throat> "Man, we can't have this, this, and this in the back of our trucks. We can't have this." Well, yeah. what had happened with two of my boys was they carried for for artillery. We carry nitrogen tanks, which look like big, tall um, acetylene tanks. I don't know if you took welding or anything like that, and high school but <laughs> i'm just like but they're they're super i know <laughs> they're they're super big gas tanks oh, okay. and they're filled okay. with nitrogen okay. and they're all <clears throat> all steel constructed uh -huh. and when that truck rolled over two of my boys that were on the, the far side on the the bad side yeah you know that nitrogen tank landed on their legs oh my and God. two of them had fractures in their 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 shins and their knees and stuff like that so they had to go and get surgery and stuff like that but it's crazy because <clears throat> laying down at night and stuff like that, I can still hear the screams in there fucking yeah. from just from that night. You know, I definitely there have been moments in time where I think, OK, you know, like I'll have a completely normal day. But then like when I go to lay down or whatever, it's at that. And like my husband will tell you, I have to sleep with a light source in the room and I have to have some sort of sound. So we, I know a lot of people like bash on people who have TVs in their rooms, but I sleep <laughs> with the TV on and um, my husband, he's gonna kick my ass for telling everybody, but he wears an eye mask because um, he he hates sleeping with lights on, you know? And so, but I have to, and I have to have the background noise because I cannot be left with my own head at night because then I'll hear like, it's really too many up. things. Yeah, like I was like, I don't even know how to say this yeah. nicely, but there will be times where like I'll be laying there and it's like like I'm asleep, but then I hear 
you know, the way that my sister sounded as she was dying, because, like, mm. she had this specific way that, like, she would breathe and everything like that, and oh, yeah, absolutely. I'll, like, wake up out of my sleep, like, panicking, you know, looking around, like, oh, my God, and then I have to remember, like, fuck, she was murdered, she's not here, you know, and, like... So, did she have, the, like, the gurgle or whatever? Like, the rattle, yeah, like, yeah. the death rattle, yeah. yeah, it was definitely, um... I didn't know really what it was until... Until you got older. Yeah, until I got older, <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah. you know? And then, like, they were... I think it was in um, biology or something. We were learning about that, and they actually played what it sounded like on YouTube, and I actually ended up, like, getting up in the middle of class, fucking leaving school, and going home and having, like, a full-on fucking panic attack because I didn't realize that that was the sounds That's that I was, was hearing from my sister. Yeah. And so there are definitely times at night where that's all that's going through my head. Or there were times where, especially like towards the end, um, her body was like, I would say it was like she was alive, like, but stuck in her body. You know how mm. they have those movies, yeah. um, like the Absolutely. wax people or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. It was like her body was frozen, but like her conscious was still there. Mm -hmm. um, and so she would cry and then she would make like these like painful wailing sounds and so like sometimes at night like that's all that's playing in my head and it just is like like if I don't find some way to drown the sound drown out, out then yeah. I'm like I'm I'm having a meltdown you know and it's it's hard to fucking adjust so I definitely can understand you know like having that because and it's it fucking sucks it sucks whenever you wake up and you're like holy fucking shit, and then it's like, it sucks whenever you think, like, oh, everything's getting better, like, I'm doing good, you know, like, I've had a good couple months, and then, like, out of nowhere, <laughs> it's just back. like, yeah. psych, bitch, you know, yeah. like, you're still fucked up in the head. Yeah, no, I definitely get that. And it must have been, I'm assuming it was really frustrating with that original guy who just, like, froze. Like, I know in situations with my friends, I, I have definitely been guilty of, you know, there, it, it being a high-stress situation, and then I have a friend who's just, like, wailing her eyes out and crying and freaking out, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, pull yourself together. Like, get it the oh, fuck absolutely. together, you know? But then I, no, they've, they haven't been in that situation. They and haven't I, been introduced Yeah, to that and, like, situation. I have to remind myself, like, okay, some people had normal lives. Some people <laughs> yeah. did not have to go through really fucked up shit, yeah. so they don't know how to react to those things, you know? And it's mm -hmm. like, you can tell yourself as much as you want, oh, in a bad, like, I'm good in bad situations, in a bad... Until you don't know. Yeah, like you yeah. don't know how you're going to react until it fucking happens. You know, there's yeah, so many people sure. who have never had their life on the line. So when you ask them, hey, in the case of an intruder, in the case of a robber, in the case of somebody coming in trying to harm your family, do you have a plan? You know, and like some people think it's fucked up that I ask my friends that, you know, but I care about my people. I, I love my people. I want to make sure that they are taking the right precautions to protect themselves and their loved ones, you know? And so I do have a plan. I'm crazy about plans, you know? And I was running to the men who have never experienced a single bad thing in their life. And they're like, oh yeah, I would shoot a man down. And it's like, would you though? Would you? Would you? Would you? You know? You know? And then people, yeah. you know, I have a couple, because, especially because they're men, you know, they question me and it's like, I don't care if I go down with you, but you're going down, you know? And like, I have plans for shit and I plan so much and you know i i stay so prepared because i guess with just like different life events you, that I've you never know when like, that time's gonna be yeah and it's like i've been taught by life events happening to me mm -hmm. that it always happens when you never fucking expect it to absolutely. and so you have to always be prepared absolutely and it blows my mind that some people just don't think like that and 
like I said, I, I am definitely one of those people where in high stress situations, when I am involved in something that is just nothing but chaos, you know, I'm typically the one that's like, okay, calm down. Let's figure this out. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. All right. Let's, let's count our toes, you know, yeah, like, you something know, like, and that. like my first immediate reaction or my first re immediate response is to make sure that everybody is breathing. Everybody's okay. And then we can go through your list of injuries. But when you've got somebody who's just sitting there screaming over and over and it's like, mm. There have been so many times where I, I have, you know, been that shitty person and been like, shut the fuck up. Oh, you, yeah. Like, you're, like, you screaming is not helping You're not making anything. it any better. Yeah. Like, yeah. if anything, you're making the situation worse because you're also it, making other people panic because yeah. they think that something's wrong with you because you won't shut the fuck up. Like, I get it. You're in shock and you're going crazy, but, like, rain it the fuck in. Let's yeah. all make sure that we're fine first. Then you can go home, lay in bed, and fucking cry about it. You know? Like, that's what I do. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I do have to remind myself that a lot of people don't experience those really fucked up traumatic situations. So they have that panic, you know, they have that freeze response. They have that, like, it's like their brain just shuts off and, yes. you know, and, um, it's fight or flight there, you know, yeah. they, they're f definitely fucking flying. Yeah. You know? And it's like, <laughs> I, and I know it's like a really fucked up thing, but I like, I always tell my husband that there are certain people where I know if I'm with them, like they got me the same way I got them, you know, but with other people, it's like, I 100% would have to be the person that like, like takes control over everything you know and i feel and you like you kind of come off as a bitch you know like and, yeah. and even me you know like I, I i have that same fucking problem you know like i kind of come off as a dick but you know when my wife you know she asked me she's like why, why are you being like that i'm like yeah. because i don't trust anybody here yeah that's you know? how my husband was at first and so after his first appointment because i'm not gonna like you know spill his trauma you know but he saw some fucked up shit and so when he first came home I was like really excited like oh, let's go out to eat let's go do this you know and mm -hmm. I had no understanding at the time that being in public places was really hard it's for not him. fun yeah no and yeah. so there like I started noticing that he was starting to get like really overprotective over the kids and stuff like that and like if we went to Target or we went to Walmart or we went to the grocery store and somebody stopped to talk to the kids he would grab the cart and say let's go yeah and like I'm sitting there thinking like that's so fucking rude. Like you're like you're being such an asshole. You know this person yeah. was just stopping to say that the kids look like good kids. You know he's just saying hi and stuff like that. And I didn't yeah. realize later. There's always a reason. There's always a reason for yeah. it. And you know the stuff that he had seen with kids overseas with his own <clears throat> kids. He's like nobody's fucking touching my family. And yeah. it just got to the point where like for a while there we you know would have to order takeout and stuff like that just so that he could like. Um, like readjust yeah. to being here and for not sure. in a fucking war zone. Sure. And so um, it was really hard for him and it was really hard for me to understand, you know, until he started opening up about it, obviously, um, because I just like, I just saw it as like, oh my fucking God, like, you know, the, nothing's going to happen to the kids. We're totally fine. You know, like I have my own anxieties when I'm out in public with the kids. You know, I pay, I always think somebody's going to kidnap my child or somebody's going to, somebody's going to open fire in a fucking store, you know, uh, that's always a fear of mine, but his fears were different. For him, it was like I had never seen my own fears in real life. And mm. so it was just like fears based on scenarios that could potentially happen, whereas yeah, yeah. his were based off things he had actually seen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like once he opened up to me about it, I for sure was like, oh my fucking God, you know. But I'm sure for him, he was, it's probably frustrating for him to be like, 
what the fuck? Because it was the same thing with me. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, you're being a dick. Like, what is going on with you? Yeah. But it was, he was doing it out of protection of his family. Yeah. And he, at that time, he just didn't have the ability to like. To voice to, it. Yeah, to voice that. Yeah. And so, um, but now, you know, like when people, if I notice that people like think he's rude and stuff like that, a lot of people will tell you that like, I, like I know I come off as a bitch and I, I, I work really hard to not to, but also like. Why? I just don't like wasting my time with people, you know, exactly. and like yeah. with Zach, like he, he's a lot like you in the sense, like if he doesn't feel like he has anything to connect to you with, he's not going to fucking talk to you. Like he's, he's just that guy. And so sometimes he can come off as a dick and it's like, he's not actually being a dick. He just doesn't find you interesting, you know, and yeah. he's not going to waste his breath on that. Um, and it's like, you don't want to be rude either saying that, you yeah. know, but it's just, it, it is what it is because we were talking earlier in... You know, and I was talking to him and he said, I went to a party or whatever, or I went to a, like a Christmas party yeah. and he goes, dude, it was just me in a corner, you yeah. know? And, and I told him, I was like, dude, that's, that's exactly how I am. I'm not going to yeah. initiate a conversation unless I know you, Yeah. you know, because it's not necessarily a social anxiety aspect mm -hmm. of it. It's the relatability. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't find you interesting. And it, the things that I like to talk about you definitely don't like to talk yeah. about, you know, so I'm not going to even try with you. Yeah. Well, and I was telling my friends um, <clears throat> who we were at the party with, you know, like I, I told her, you know, hey, you know, he's, he felt like he was, and of course, like, you know, with her, like she knows him. And so she's like, you know, no, you know, like, and yeah. like later throughout the night, he was able to converse with people and everything like that. But the way he had explained it to me was that when he hangs out with people, it's, almost always military people, you know, because yeah. we, we don't live here. So you know. our, our friends are military people, you know? you know? And so it's easy for him to just carry on conversation for hours and hours and hours because they know what he's talking about. Mm -hmm. They can relate to what he's talking about and they're all interested in the same thing. Exactly. And then when he comes here, it's like, it's really hard for him to connect to civilians because yeah. he, for him, it's like, he, he told me the other night, he's like, it's like we live in com two completely different worlds. Like these guys have no sense of reality and you know like their their daily lives are different than my daily life oh, and like yeah. yeah i don't know how to relate to that you know because i'm because that's all and, he's known yeah and he's you know? like you know i'm working on doing all this shit and he's like my work is different than their work and i feel like i can't relate to them and stuff like that and so whenever you know whenever you do come over whenever mikey comes over dante you know whoever like his military friends yeah it's nice to see him like be able to just like take a breath and like relax and open not, up. And not, yeah, not have so much anxiety about like, yeah. oh my god, I'm the weirdo in the corner. You know, like he yeah. he has people who can relate to him and who can yeah. talk to him about these things. Oh, for sure. And it's never easy, you know, being being that guy in the corner because I've been that guy in the corner for yeah. you know for what is it, 23 going into 24 for three years. Yeah. You know, so everywhere we go, it's just. I'm in a corner and I'm just kind of doing my own thing, playing on my phone or whatever yeah. it may be. And, you know, my wife will come up and she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? You know, and I'm like, oh, nothing. You know, I'm good. I'm just. I do the same thing. I'm I, just doing my own thing. Yeah, you know? I always check in with Zach. I'm like, are you okay? Like, do you want to leave? And he's like, no. Like, I, he's like, I, I'm here because you want to be here. Absolutely. Um, and you want to have fun. And he's like, and I don't, I don't, I don't want you to just not do anything because I'm not having fun. And he's like. Yeah. But he definitely is like because at that point it feels like an you're like you're inconveniencing your your significant other, mm -hmm. and it feels like you're putting like a bad taste in their mouth for for going out. You know, like for me personally, I don't I don't like going out to bars. I don't like doing things like that. You know, I 
I strictly go up to bars so I can play pool, mm -hmm. you know, because that's just one thing, the thing that I like to do. Yeah. I'm not good at it by any means. You know, I'm decent. But, but it's something you enjoy. It's something I enjoy, yeah. you know, and if, if I can play pool all night at a bar, so be it. I'll, yeah. I'm fucking good to go. But if I'm, if my wife sits there and makes me like sit down and just focus on whatever, you know, music or anything like that, and I'm like, yeah, it, it, this isn't fun. I want to go home, yeah. you know, like, cause at the, at the, in the back of my mind, I want to go home, but I don't want to ruin her time yeah. while we're out. Yeah. I feel like Zach definitely lucked out because I'm very much like a, like, I don't like going, I would rather stay home and drink, you know? Yeah. You're a homebody. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't enjoy going out to bars. Uh, one, I don't enjoy like spending a fuck ton of money <laughs> on alcohol when I can yeah. spend the same amount and, you know, get more and to take home or whatever. But I'm also too, like, I'm not a big drinker. I'm not a big party person, you know? And I think obviously being a mom with kids, like that obviously plays Definitely into it. Definitely has something to do with it, yeah. Yeah, but I'm just, I just, I used to be, but I, now I'm just, I, I'm just not a party person. I don't like to drink a whole lot, you know? And when I'm home, you know, during the holidays like this, or, you know, when he's gone to training and I come mm -hmm. back, um, I indulge a little bit more, you know, because I do have help and Yeah, and that, like that's that, how it but... should be, you know, you should, you should be able to let loose a little bit when, when you, when you know that you have help, yeah. you know, because I feel like from, from the outside looking in kind of aspect of it, like a mother should be able to enjoy her life, yeah. not just like be her surrounded by her kids, yeah. you know, like, okay, cool. I got this little, I got a couple hours to myself. So I'm going yeah. to sit here, I'm going to relax and kind of focus on stuff that I yeah. like to do. And, and so like I, when I do go out most of the times, it's like, I'll go have a couple of drinks at um, Stoneworks with my mm -hmm. friend and then I go home, you yeah. know, and then it's like, that's enough for me, you know? And so I feel like he definitely lucked out because I feel like a lot of times he's like, well, what do you want to go do and stuff like that? And I'm like, nothing. <laughs> I want to stay at home and I want to watch a movie and, yeah. you know, that be that, you know, I enjoy staying at home. And so I feel like for it's so rare that I'm actually like, hey, let's go do this, that he like doesn't have enough He doesn't know what to do. He's like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Yeah, you know? no. Yeah. And so like when we were, when I was like, do you want to go to this party? And he was like, well, do you want to go? And I'm like, well, I would actually like to go. And he's like, okay, let's go, you know? And, yeah. But I felt bad for him because, you know, we rarely do things like that. And so he had like no training. And he was like, I remember him in the car on the way back. He was like, Man, I didn't even know what to talk about. Like I just I was just sitting there just listening, you know. Yeah. But my friend had like um had game like party games set up and yeah, everything. Yeah, you know, and make stuff. it fun and stuff yeah, like that. And so yeah. So he was he was able to warm up to everybody and everybody, you know, they all vibe. They did the guy thing, you know. They played mm. beer pong and stuff like that, but it definitely like I could definitely see the difference in when he's with his military buddies oh, versus absolutely. when he's with people who just work like regular jobs, you know? Yeah, because it's completely different. Yeah, and like he doesn't, I feel like when he's with you or like his military friends or whatever, like he doesn't have to put that like mask up of just like, oh yeah, I'm in the military and everything's normal. Like if he says, nah man, this is some fucked up shit. Y'all are going to understand where he's coming from. And you're going to be like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, like, that's fucked up, you know? Oh, yeah, and absolutely. You're going to be able to relate to him. You're going to be able to carry that conversation with him. And there is no, like, awkward lag. It's just, like... Yeah, it's because we understand why, like, why he feels that way and how yeah. he feels that way, you know? Yeah. So, with all of that, do you feel... I know sometimes it can feel, you know, how we were talking about how 
for at least you and Zach, being able to have those uh, conversations with, you know, regular Joe Schmo people can be difficult sometimes. Do you feel like there's maybe a disconnect between um, your, even with your family and friends? Like if you talk about something, you know, or you say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm having really bad anxiety today and maybe they don't have anxiety or they don't understand mental illness. Do you, do you feel like you have a disconnect with your loved ones when it comes to being able to be comfortable and tell them like, hey, I'm struggling with this or hey, this makes me uncomfortable or... <laughs> so, sorry, it's funny because you're saying like, at me like talking to people saying hey you know i'm having problems with that like i don't i don't tell nobody yeah you know and that's 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 kind of like my own thing stuff like yeah. that I, I don't like opening up to people the only person that i really do open up to is is my dad you know because yeah. he understands my dad's prior service and stuff like that so um it's it's definitely difficult mm-hmm. i mean i don't even open up to my own wife you know the only time i ever open up to my own wife is when i'm 10 sheets in the fucking wind yeah you know and then she's kind of like, oh, okay, like you need help, you know. Yeah. And I, I deny it because I don't, I don't. I, it's kind of it's it's a weird gray area that I don't feel like I need help, but I probably should need help. Mm-hmm. And um, for example, I uh, when I'd gotten when I first gotten gotten home from getting out of the military and stuff like that, I lost a really good friend of mine in 2018 on Halloween. Um, we just gotten home. And uh, we were at the bar hanging out. You know, it was just kind of like a Sunday fun day type thing. All you can drink mimosas. And, you know, I was I, had, I was about two bottles of champagne in and stuff like that. And then we went to another bar to just kind of cool out, eat some food and stuff like that. Well, mm-hmm. we're sitting at the bar waiting for our food. And there was a dude at the end of the bar who just had back surgery. So mm-hmm. he was on every painkiller you could ever think yeah. of. And we were talking to the bartender because my wife, being a bartender, she knows 90% of the bartenders in town. And um, and so she was like, dude, I gave him two doubles of Patron and that's it. And then he's been just sitting there ever ever since, you know. And I was kind of looking at him or whatever and he was like real slumped down in his, in his chair and stuff like that. And I kind of went up to him and gave him a sternum rub. I was like, hey man, or at first... I was like, hey, man, how's it going, you know, like trying to initiate a conversation yeah. and stuff like that and just ignored me and stuff like that and was really un- incoherent. Yeah. And so I gave him a sternum rub and I was like, hey, man, like, how's it going? Kind of came to kind of just kind of like was like, you know, like yeah. it was just like a grumble. And I was like, OK. And so I gave him a sternum rub even harder than, you know, as hard as I hard as I could. Yeah. And then nothing. And so I was like, OK, sweet. This is this is how it's gonna happen tonight yeah. or today, and so I was like, um, told the bartender I was like, call nine one one, get an ambulance over here. Yeah. Um, and he was in his chair, and me and another gentleman that was right next to him, we brought him down, like still sitting in the chair, everything, mm-hmm. the whole chair down and stuff like that. Well, as soon as we brought him down to the ground, he started seizing. Oh wow! And luckily, my wife had been working at that establishment at the time, so I told her. Um, cause she came up and she goes, what do you need? Like, just like wide eyed, bushy tailed, yeah. like what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And I was like, go get me a wooden spoon from the kitchen so I can stick it in his mouth. So he doesn't bite his tongue off. You yeah. know, she brought back a spoon. I shoved it in his mouth and I started giving him a sternum rub and stuff like that. And he was still seizing. Well, by the time that the paramedics had gotten there, you know, he was, he had stopped seizing, but he was kind of coming to, I mm-hmm. guess you would call it. 
and they loaded him up on the gurney and i talked to the lead paramedic and i was like dude we just got here not 30 minutes ago and this dude was just slumped yeah you know so they wheeled him out of there and a sheriff came and a marshal came and every, everybody all the police yeah. force you know and so i explained it to him i was like here here's my contact information um here's this that and they were like okay cool you know we'll call you if you need anything yeah i don't know if they, i don't know if they called me or not but as soon as I got back to that chair, like all my emotions kind of just like came to like all at once and just hit me like a freight train. Yeah. You know, and I was like, I felt like a pussy because I was like crying at the bar, you know, like yeah. I coming from me, like I don't cry hardly ever. Yeah. You know? It is like, normal for men to cry, though. It is. It is. <laughs> and it should it should be more normalized. than It, it should. Is. It should. Um, but like, I don't I hardly ever cry, yeah. you know, and like all the emotions came to me and stuff like that. And I was crying and. I was like, man, fuck me, bro. And my wife was like, well, what's wrong? What's yeah. wrong with you, you know? And going back to where, when I lost my buddy, like, I, I wish I could do everything in the world to yeah. to, to save that, to, yeah. to revert from that, you know? And because I lost him to suicide. Yeah. And um, he was my mentor growing up in the Marine Corps, you know, becoming the, the Marine that I was and stuff like that. So it was kind of like a, it, it hit home. Yeah. You know? And, um, when that had happened, I was just like crying. I was like, I don't even know why the fuck I'm crying and shit like that. And but like looking back at it now, I was like, well, well, this all is all those the old feelings. Yeah, came up and, yeah, for well, sure. Do you ever feel like? Um, I mean, I'm obviously not the person who can sit here and preach about, you know, telling people when you're not doing okay. I'm very guilty of. I know um, on one of my episodes, I talked about how um, during my pregnancy with my daughter. I actually was, like, in, like, peak just... Like a depressive state. Wanting to kill myself. Like, yeah. and, you know, I, I came home and I visited friends and I visited family. And, like, you know, when I when I did that episode, a lot of friends and family came forward and were like, we had no fucking idea. Like, we had no will. idea you were struggling that hard. And it's like, when you get so used to just putting that wall up, mm -hmm. you know, it's really hard to just come forward and be like, hey, well, I mean, and there were some times where I did tell people, I was like, when somebody would ask me, like, hey, how are you doing? And I would tell them, like, I want to fucking kill myself, you know? Yeah. And well, they were just like, I think oh, that's, I think that's okay. wrong. I think that's you know? wrong with a lot of days society is, like, people say that, they have those, those responses and stuff, and they yeah. just take it as a joke, you know? Yeah, and then and when people are actually like, no, no, really, I want to kill myself. Yeah, like, seriously. Like, they don't believe you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, it definitely... I, and then I have those moments where something something else will happen and mm. it feels completely unrelated, you know, but it always goes back to shit that I'm struggling with, you know. And yeah, it's like, it all reverts back. Yeah, you, you never expect to, to be in that moment where you're just crying your eyes out and, you know, stuff like that. Like recently for me, my um, daughter turned one and... She, we had gotten her, and I think it was either Rapunzel or Aurora baby doll, like little princess baby doll, and she was hugging it and loving on it and just like giving her kisses and all kinds of stuff. And I was just sitting there crying, I was bawling my fucking eyes out. And I had therapy that day as well, and so I go into therapy and I'm telling my therapist about all this, and you know she's she's like helping me work through it, and I'm like sobbing my eyes out in therapy, mm -hmm. and I'm like, I don't know what's going on with me, like I like. Why, like, it's my daughter's first birthday, you know? Like, why am yeah, I like, so why emotional? Why am I so emotional, yeah. Yeah, and she's like, maybe it's because you're you're finally able to see that it's not that hard to love your daughter, you know? And 
because growing up I was always like what the fuck is wrong with me that like you mm. can't just like love me and you know treat me like your daughter and even now with my adopted parents especially my adopted dad I'm like what the fuck is so wrong with me yeah you're like that longing you can't for love that. me longing you know, like, for the yeah, attention like, and love yeah like you chose to adopt me <clears throat> and then I turned 18 and you were like fucking deuces bitch you know like it was yeah. so easy for him to just cut that cord and so I've always just wondered like like what is wrong with me that like that I can't be loved properly as a daughter you know and so she was like maybe it's just you know subconsciously you're realizing that it it's not you it's yeah. like it is easy to love your daughter and it is easy yeah, to give them good memories and on top of that as well you know it's like I I didn't get to have baby dolls and you know stuff like that because we were chained and locked yeah, up in a room, and you know, because yeah, the situation like, you were put in. Yeah, and know. so it's like seeing my daughter be able to play with toys. You know, it, it brought up a lot of stuff. Or you know, even this past Christmas. Oh my god, I'm gonna get shit on for this. I had no idea, like, what I knew what an etch a sketch was because of Toy Story. Yeah. But I had never like actually seen one, and so my mother in law she got my two oldest boys etch a sketches, mm. and. I was like sitting there playing with it. My husband was like, what the heck? It's just a fucking extra sketch. And I was like, I've, I've never played with one. Yeah, I didn't get that liberty. Yeah, you know, and he like... was like, what the fuck? And like, he was like, I feel so fucking mad. And, and you know, I'm playing it off. I'm like, don't feel bad. Like, it is what it is, you know? Yeah. Like, there's a lot of things I didn't get to play with or have growing up, you know, just because of the situation. And, you know, he was like, that is so fucking sad, the fact that like, like, my wife has never played with an Etch-A-Sketch, you know? Because he's like, everybody has played with an Etch-A-Sketch. Or you he know? would think. Or so you yeah, would think. Yeah, and then, um, or even, like, their Rock'em Sock'em Robots things. I, <laughs> yeah. I again, that was something that I saw on, like, a movie somewhere, but I'd never seen one in person. Yeah. And um, so it's, it's, like, a weird experience seeing my kids get all these toys that, like, I would see in a store but never be allowed to play with or... You know, things I didn't even know existed because I was so, like, shut off from the world. And yeah, to be shown the love that y you deserved but you didn't get. Yeah, that I missed out on. Yeah. yeah, and it's like, it's whenever you're in random ass moments and then you mm -hmm. have these big extravagant feelings for it. It's like, where the fuck is this coming from? Like, it's, <laughs> like why am I yeah. crying about this right now? And then you realize, like, it's all, it's all connected. It's all pent up, you know? It's, yeah. all, it's all pent up. It pits up emotions and stuff like that and... Uh, you go through day-to-day -day life with just just bottling it and bottling it and yeah. bottling it. And then, you know, out of a random, just some random event happens and you're just like, oh, fuck, why am I like this, yeah. you know? And I'm, then, I'm like, the same way. And then it doesn't help, too, you know, especially, I feel like, I feel like I have experienced it secondhand through my husband, you know, because I feel like there are mature men like you, like, you know, Dante, like our friend Ethan, who when my husband says, hey man, it's a bad fucking day, you're not going to be like, suck it up, pussy. You know, you're just going to be like, what happened? You know? Yeah. But especially at his old base back at Bragg, and you know who you bitches are, um, he had this group of friends who when he was being emotionally vulnerable, they their only answer was, here, drink about it. And yeah. it was actually a joke amongst this um, this small group of friends to be like, oh, those feelings, pack that shit down, you know? Yeah. And they would encourage him to drink more and drink away his feelings and do this, this, and this. And I'm sitting here thinking like, okay, he's coming to you guys as his close buddies. You know, he has a wife, he has kids. And instead of saying, 
hey man, let's talk about it. You're encouraging him to drink more, you know, even though that's not the healthy way to cope with your shit. And so I feel like leaving Bragg, it was, or now it's called like Fort Liberty or something. I don't fucking know. Bragg, leaving Bragg. Um, it's kind of like bittersweet, I guess. Yeah, like yeah. being at Campbell. It's like we created family at Bragg, you yeah. know, but we needed to leave to get him out of like just this like toxic friendship cycle it, that he it's had. A, it's a toxic, it's a toxic masculinity in the in the service. Just, just broad. Yeah, you know. Well, and he had like two groups. He had like the one that has been there from basic training, you know, mm. and we still talk to them. They're they're family to us, you know. And then yeah. he had the group that kind of came along later on, and they were the fucking assholes, you know. So then when we went to Campbell, he was like holy shit, like, I didn't realize, you know, like, how many people actually, like, weren't positively impacting my life, you know? Yeah. And it wasn't to the point where it was, like, <clears throat> make or break, you know? It was just different things where it's, like, I would say, well, maybe, you know, we should talk about this, and then his buddies would say, no, drink about it, you know? And now he's able to be, he, he doesn't have that, that other have extension. The, the face of just, like, oh, well, you be know. Be a man, you yeah. know? And it's just, like... It, it's hard. I see him, you know, talking with his friends and stuff like that, and that's why, you know, I would say, like, it means a lot to me that he can have people like you or Mikey or Dante or Ethan or, you know, whoever, mm. who can have those conversations with him and not make him feel like a piece of shit. Like a piece of shit, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's what I was asking, like, if, yeah, if, for you, sure. if you have that experience, you know, with friends oh, or family. Oh, yeah, absolutely, who, you know. Um, and that's what's crazy is, like, that's, with me being from the Marine Corps versus the Army or anything like that, like that's that's what the Marine Corps does, you know. Yeah. Like every night, you know, because I've I've lived the Marine Corps lifestyle married, and I've lived lived the Marine Corps lifestyle single. Mm -hmm. And it's, when I was single, we I lived in the barracks or whatever, so it's just a bunch of dudes and just you just you party every night, yeah. you know. And I think that's that's what it was. You would just drink so much that you would just mask your emotions and yeah. just kind of just shove them down you know so that yeah. the next day you wake up you know you're like you're not hurting or anything you're just there to, yeah, to, collect, the, to collect the paycheck and yeah. you know run three miles or and do your job yeah you know but when that was that was my single marine corps lifestyle uh -huh. when we got married we moved we lived on base and um it was just kind of one of those things like we we had our own place and we had a like a duplex so it wasn't the biggest it was a two bedroom two and a half bath or one and a half bath i'm sorry but i mean it was serene you know like yeah. i had like all this peace and quiet and yeah we had some next door or i say next door neighbors but they were probably about one two three houses down from us and that's next door. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's so tightly compacted yeah. on base housing and stuff like that. So, but we had those. We had these neighbors, and um, we just saw them outside. Like we like to go out and on our driveway because that was all really the yard space we had. Yeah. Have a fire and hang out, and drink beer. You know, do whatever. Just yeah. hang out. But they would do the same thing. So we invited them over. We're like, hey man, you know, we're having a fire, a bonfire in our front driveway. You know, like y'all more than welcome to come over. Don't have to bring anything and stuff yeah. like that. We like to be accommodating to people. Yeah. And same. so they came over that first night after they came over. It was like, it was tight. You know, yeah, like those clicked. Yeah. The it, what's funny is his name was Chase as well. Oh yeah, I remember. <laughs> yeah. I remember Kate telling me. And uh, 
yeah, Chase and his wife's name was Haley, but they had a daughter named Grayson. And we uh, we got so close with Grayson and stuff like that because, I mean, we don't have kids of our own. Yeah. But, you know, like, would we like kids? Maybe. You know, I, I would, but not anytime soon. I'm yeah. not in the, the position to have a kid, you yeah. know. And, but, like, we kind of just, like, took her as our own. Like, my wife would babysit her while I was at work and stuff, while they were at work and whatever it may be. And um, what's funny is we got a letter in the mail when we had just moved back home. They were pregnant again, mm -hmm. and it was a boy this time. Oh. And um, they wanted us to be the godparents. And so we were like, oh, you know, like it kind of hit, hit home. Like yeah. they, they really do care about yeah. us. It kind of shows you like, oh, they do care about you, yeah. you know, stuff like that. And um, but like with the whole aspect of uh like talking to somebody and they're like oh just fucking drink about it like that's bullshit man yeah. you know like i i hated that because there was some guys in my unit that were that were like that but mm -hmm. most of the guys in my unit we 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 consider ourselves a family you know mm -hmm. just like every every unit does yeah. but it's it's not about what they consider themselves it's about what they do for the, for each yeah. other you know and so like any given day i could go up to go up and knock on a buddy's barracks room and be like hey do you like it I'm down bad. Like, let, let can I talk to you? And they're like, let's do it, bro. You know, yeah. let's let's come in here. Or you want to go somewhere else or whatever? Yeah. You know. And coming back to the the civilian side aspect of it, it's it's completely different. Yeah. Completely different. You know, like I'll tell some people, like I, I keep a close knit group of friends. Mm -hmm. I've got maybe five friends that I can count. You know. <laughs> and I mean, and that's that's even. That's just saying, like, that I can talk over the phone with. Like, I've got yeah. probably two or three that say, you know, if I were to text them and be like, hey, dude, like, I need you here now. Yeah. Like, they'll be there, yeah. you know. Um, Same. But, you know, seeing some seeing some of my other friends go through, like, hardships and stuff in their mm -hmm. life, like, you know, I always try to reach out a hand and be like, hey, dude, you know, like, I understand, like, I understand you're a man, but, you yeah. know, if you ever want to Because you've been just, there, you've yeah. experienced it. Oh, yeah, absolutely, you know, like. And I told him, I was like, dude, if you ever want anybody to talk to, I was like, I, you don't, I don't even have to talk. You know, I can just be yeah. an open ear because it's nice yeah. to vent. You know, yeah. it's good to vent. But and with some some of my friends, you know, it's venting wasn't enough and stuff like yeah. that. So, you know, they they get in their mind and stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, it, end game, you know, it's not good, but it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and I definitely like. You know, like I was saying, me too with the whole um, having friends that you feel like you can really, I guess, like, just, like, spill it all out to, you know, and stuff like that. I feel like that's one of my biggest things is um, I have maybe, like, one or two people that I can do that with. But then also in, in that same breath, I, like... I'm notorious for holding all my shit in because I don't want to like dump my baggage on people. Oh and... yeah, absolutely. You don't want to feel like a burden. Yeah, and like I yeah. used to have a friend where I feel like um, some people. I'm trying to put this as nicely as possible. Some <laughs> people just can't like be friends with people who have had fucked up shit happen to them. Yeah, because, because... they they just they think it's like oh it's nothing. Let's just, they they're having yeah. a hard time. Fuck and then them, like if you, you know? try to bring up anything. It's, oh, here she goes again. She's playing the victim, yeah. you know? And it's like, there's a difference in playing the victim and being like, hey, I'm having a really rough time, you know? Yeah. And then there's also friends that you have who you can't talk about your own shit with because they make everything about them. them. Yeah. And so if they're sad and they're depressed, it's, 
you know, like you're you're showing up for them a hundred percent, but then flip side of the coin, they're you know, when it's you, it's like they're they're MIA, they're nowhere to be found, or yeah. you're playing the victim, or you know, and it's just I had friendships like that and it was really shitty and so I I feel like it subconsciously it just trained me to just not want to talk about my shit because it's like, well, I don't want to be the person that is seen as, you know, always depressed or always playing the victim. But it's yeah. like, in my head, I am always depressed, you know? Like, I'm not in therapy for no fucking reason. I'm in therapy because I wanted to fucking kill myself, you know? And, yeah. like, I had the wherewithal to say, hey, I'm not in a good headspace. I need to speak to somebody outside of my inner circle. Yeah. You know, somebody with a professional background who can actually help me with this. And, you know, looking back now, it's like, there are some friendships where I'm sad that they ended, you know, but at the same time, it's like, you're well, not you a, weren't you, actually my friend anyways. Yeah, like, you're not opposed to it because they just want to be with you when you're on your up. Yeah. When you're on your up and up, they just want to be with yeah, you. Yeah, when you, when you want to party, when you want to go to the bar, when you want to yeah. go do all this, when you, when, for me, it was when I was manic. That yeah. was when everybody wanted to be my friend, you know, and... They don't want to be your friend when you're going through the rough shit. They want you to be no. their friend when they're going through the rough shit. But when it's you, it's like, oh, tough shit. Eat a bag of dicks, bitch. You know? And it's like, it's a struggle, you know, for me at least to remember that, like, I don't have to wear this mask of being perfectly fine all the time. Um, and it's something that I'm working on. And I definitely, like, I can relate to the whole, you know, having people that you can spill everything to and having, and then there's also people, you know, like again, with, with old, with old friendships that I don't have anymore. It was like, I was also having to be careful of what I said because underneath it all, I knew that it was just going to go to other people, you know? And it's like one, you know, if you are in a friendship like that, cut them bitches the fuck off, whether you're a dude or, or a chick, cut them the fuck off. They're not your friend. They actually fucking hate you. That was the lesson I had to learn the hard way because I had friendships in and looking back, I'm like, you were literally just my friend to find out all the dirty details about my life and then go tell other people like, fuck you, bitch, you know, because I, and it's like, I trusted the wrong people with deep, heavy information about my life, you know, Mm -hmm. or about me and my mental health. And like I was saying earlier, I feel like it's just taught me subconsciously to just like like not be able to open up to people, you know? And so I like, I'm, I'm lucky that I am able to have that with my husband, you know, and I, I'm in therapy and stuff like that. But like I said earlier, you know, there were so many people who reached out to me after that one episode that I did that were like, Mm -hmm. we had no idea. And it's like, well, you had no idea because, you know, it's not really easy for somebody to be told all the time, like, Hey, like you look really sad. What's going on? It's like, do you actually want to know what's going on? Or do you or, just care about the drama? Yeah. Or yeah. do you just care about the tea? You know, like, yeah. and it's, it's just, it, it's fucking hard. And it's hard when, you know, you don't have that village. You don't have yeah. a great big group of people that you know, like, hey, I can call anyone. And it it's shitty to know that, like, for some people like us, they only have those one or two people. But when it's one of my biggest fucking fears, you know, with I have friends who struggle with mental health, you know, and have the same disorders that I do and stuff like that. And knowing that at any potential moment they could call me and I could miss it, mm-hmm. you know, and, oh, that, yeah, absolutely. That. and I've been in situations where I have gotten calls and not answered them. And it makes me so sad. <laughs> oh my God. It makes me so sad. 
Um, but And I haven't answered them, you know, because I was busy or I was like, oh, I'll call them back later. Um, and then the next call I get is from a family member and it's like, hey, you know, they just attempted yeah. taking their life and stuff like that. And it's like, that's such a shitty feeling, you know? And I always try to think of that, you know, when I'm telling other people my shit because I don't want them to ever feel like they have that amount of pressure on them to keep me alive yeah. because I'm not their responsibility. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like people just need somebody that they can call and say, hey, fucking help me. And yeah. it's going to be a no judgment zone. It's going to be a no shame zone. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And I feel like everybody needs to have those one or two people that aren't going to be like, well, I'm not in charge of keeping you alive, bitch. Bye. You know? Yeah. Or say... Or run off to their friends and be like, Cassie told me she was suicidal and I think she's a piece of shit mom. You know, things like that. No. Like, you need people that you know you can count on. That you know aren't going to tell your shit to other people. Yeah. And just offer you the same support that you offer them. Yeah, because you've got that, you've got that like, little inner circle or whatever. You know, and yeah. I think that's the problem with me. I mean, it's not necessarily a problem, but like, like my wife shows me, she's one of my biggest supporters, you know, no matter, yeah. no matter everything yeah. you know like she knows when i got my good days she knows when i got my bad days yeah. and stuff like that but i can't i feel like i'm a burden to her when i talk about like my bad days yeah you know and i don't because me and my wife like we're we're married of course for a reason because all the times that we've had have been good and rejoiceful and yeah. happy and i don't i don't want to ruin that yeah you know what i mean and so, you know, I'll revert back to, you know, my best friend, you know, and he's going through a hard time right now. And I told him, I was like, dude, like, no matter what you're going through, like my ringer will be on every night. Yeah. So, so call me if I don't pick up, call me again until I yeah. answer, you know, I don't, I don't want to be that guy that like you were talking to, like you get that call and it's a missed call and then you get the next call, Yeah. you know, cause I don't want to, I don't want to get that next call. Yeah. It's and I, I'm a super huge advocate for, for suicide awareness because yeah. I've lost countless people in, in my life that i've that i've cared about mm -hmm. you know let it be mentors family anything yeah and and it's it doesn't get easier you know the, the more phone calls you get it doesn't get easier and it stings more when you yourself have contemplated suicide yeah or you know like in my teenage years i had several attempts that i failed at thankfully now it didn't feel thankful you know in the moment yeah of course um, not but like being able to understand where their head was, yeah. you know, when they made that decision, yeah. it makes it hurt 10 times more because it's like, I, like if I would have answered, you know, yeah. like I, I would have talked to you about this. I, I wouldn't have judged you. I wouldn't have shamed you, you yeah. know? And it's, it's, it's a shitty, shitty feeling to live with the decisions that people make when it comes to their lives, knowing that like, or like having that thought of like, you should have just called me till I picked up, you know? Yeah, and, and that's that's one of the reasons, or that's one of the biggest problems and obstacles that I have is, you know, I get in, I get in my own head, you know, just yeah. like everybody does, you know, and it's like wondering like, why? why? Like, why didn't you call me? Why didn't you do this? Yeah. To, to, but then on on the on the other side it's like why didn't i do this why didn't i reach out why didn't i do yes, this you know so it's kind of like a it, it's it's it's, it's a double-edged sword yeah it's kind of like a guilt problem right yeah. there you know and i don't i don't do good with guilt so i'm just kind of i kind of like hold that over my own head Same. you know so yeah. like 
uh, like when I say when I got my bad days, I got my fucking bad days, yeah. you know, and what is the military going to do? Like, they're just going to give you more medication, more pills to take and yep. shit like that, you know, and they don't they have options for group therapy and shit mm -hmm. like that. But what about the people that don't do therapy? You yeah. know, Cause, like I don't I don't talk by any means. I don't talk Therapy about how is I definitely, feel. Definitely, I feel like just one of those things where it's it's not for everyone. Um, and then like there's there's, I mean I sit I go in, and I go into an office and I sit down and I talk in a room with somebody for forty five minutes. But that's what I need. I need to be able to sit down and face somebody and look a human being in the eyes and say, "This is all my fucked up shit," you know, and have them be yeah. like, "Okay, this is how you work through it." But some people don't work that way. It's it's not easy no. to just go meet a stranger and be like, "Here, let me tell you." Let me tell you about my life. Real yeah, quick, let me how tell fucked you everything that's like yeah. fucking wrong. You know. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, and that's I'm I'm not one of those people. I cannot because I feel like I'm putting a burden on somebody else. You yeah. know, like I want to carry my burden for a reason because it's mine. Yeah. I don't want to put my burden on somebody else, especially like my closest friends and stuff yeah. like that, because they got enough shit they got to deal with. That's you know? exactly how I think. And I, you know, I always tell people like, oh, no, I'm fine. You know, don't worry about it. And then I go home and I'm having panic attacks and I'm sitting there <laughs> thinking like, oh, I'm the I'm like the biggest piece of shit on the planet, you know. Yeah. And like like you were saying earlier, like the guilt, it just it fucking I have a lot of guilt. I carry a lot, a lot of guilt, whether it's just the way that I've treated people in the past mm -hmm. or things that I did or things that I didn't do. Um, the most guilt that I carry is with my sister. I, mm -hmm. people call it survivor's guilt. Yeah. Um, I struggle with knowing that I was only 10 years old. Mm -hmm. So logically, how much is a starving, beaten, tortured 10 year old actually capable of doing to save yeah. her sister's life? But then the other flip side of it is like, I was the older sister. It was my job to take care of you and I failed. And now I get to have a husband and children. And I why, get why, you, you're kind of thinking to yourself like, why do I get this, you know, like yeah, sort when, of thing. Yeah. When we both fought so hard to make it out, why was I the one? Like, and obviously, like I said, I'm, I'm very thankful to be here now. But I still have thoughts of like, it should have been both of us. Yeah. You know, like if if we weren't gonna make it out together, mm -hmm. we should have gone down together. Yeah. And so being on like the surviving end of it, you know, and surviving attempted homicide, you know, and stuff like that, it's just it's it eats at me all the time and that it is the biggest load of guilt that I carry because it's like she was just a baby. You know, and, and mm. technically so was I, you know, if I look at my oldest, he's about to be six, but like four more years, you know, he'll be 10 and like, I would never place the responsibility of his sibling's life in his hands, you know? Yeah. And so logically I know like it wasn't my fault and like, I, I shouldn't carry that guilt, but I do. And it's very much like, I feel like maybe some things that I've done in my life or different paths that I've gone down have made me undeserving of being the one who's who survived and i i carry those thoughts around of like well if it was her she probably would have gone to college she probably wouldn't have gotten married and had baby young, babies young you know i don't regret it obviously i love my husband i love my kids but she probably would have made a name for herself and who am i i'm i'm, I'm nobody you know yeah. and it's like i just i have i carry that guilt where it's like she she would have been the better option you know and it's shitty yeah. and it's, it's a lot of people don't understand that they're like well you know like 
And then it sucks even more when you hear from people, oh, well, she died to save your life. She gave up her life for you. And it's like, fuck you, you fucking pieces of shit. Because if I had the choice, it wouldn't have been that way, you know? And it's like, how fucking dare you look a child in the face and say she gave up her life for you. She gave up her life so that you could live. And it's just like, fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. You don't say that to people. I don't know why people think that that's something comforting to tell somebody or when they're like, but look at the life you lived. And it's like, it's a great life, but mm. it would be even greater if I had my fucking sister here, you yeah. know? And, and it's it's kind of one of those things, like, when, when people tell you that, it's like, why? Like, what what was my mindset there, you know? What was my mindset at the time of that adolescence? Yeah. And because, you know, just speaking from personal experience, like, my my thought process of cha- has changed. It changes every year, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm either becoming more of a fucking asshole or I'm becoming more selfless. Yeah. And... It, it's just kind of one of those things like you wouldn't know what you were thinking then unless if, if you didn't live it. Yeah. And like and I feel like that's so hard for people to understand because I feel like one thing I'm I'm told all the time is like you need to let it go. You know, like you were a kid and it's like you weren't fucking there no. because I feel like with a lot of families, the way that they function, it's like drilled in the older siblings head like. Like, they are your responsibility, you know? Like, it is your job to care for them and take care of them and stuff like that. And, you know, I mentioned in one episode how Betty had told me, you know, if she dies, it's on you. And in that episode, I had said that whatever Betty was trying to do with what she was telling me, she succeeded in yeah. with with as long as I live. Yeah, because for as you... long as I live, I will blame myself for my sister's death. Yeah, you because know? you're going to live with that guilt because somebody implanted that in your mind saying hey whatever happens here it's your fault yeah and then she turned around and fucking died and it's like you know it's it's fucking shitty and it's it sucks when you have people who can't even begin to understand situations like that that are sitting there telling you like it's time to move on just let it go and it's like i want you to Mm. go through 18 years of the worst fucking time of your goddamn life. And then I want somebody to look you dead in your face and say, let it go. Yeah, absolutely. And some some people are capable of that. I'm not one of those people. I'm known to hold a fucking grudge. I, and I know so many people look down on that and it's like, oh, but that's not growth. That's not, fuck your goddamn growth. I'm going to hold a grudge. I will grow in other areas of my life. But I will always have a fiery, burning rage for the people who have fucked me over because I feel like there were so many times where it wasn't deserved. Yeah, it, for sure. it, it was a situation where it's like, I didn't fucking deserve that. Mm-hmm. Fuck you, you fucking piece of shit. I'm not forgiving you. I'm not letting it go. I'm not forgetting it. And I'm not going to let go of my grudge. It's going to be there. And I'm going to hate you forever. And if I burn in hell for that, so fucking be it. But you're burning with me. Yeah, I'll see you there. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that's that's what's crazy. Like, I I can't even fathom what, what you've been through, you know, and just speaking from personal experiences. Like, uh, growing up, you know, I had, I lived in a normal, as normal as it would, would be, you know, like blue collar household and stuff yeah. like that. Like, my dad was real strict on me. And, you know, I was fucking always punished and shit like that because I wasn't necessarily the best kid. <laughs> but I was a dirtbag <laughs> yeah but you know and we had the, the the one true time that we 
that I felt the hardship that we were having was when I was in middle school, our house burned down. So we lost literally everything that oh we ever God. owned. Oh my God, that's the, devastating. Yeah, the only thing we had was like the clothes on our back. Oh my know? God, and I never knew that. Yeah, what well, the heck, it, that's so sad. It's just kind of one of those things that like, you, you know, it's You don't not, bring up at parties. <laughs> yeah, you know, but it's, it's, it's just one of those things that like you don't talk about until like it's brought up. Yeah. You know, and so like trying to overcome all that stuff, you know, I was you know, seventh grade, eighth grade. So I was probably 13, 14, maybe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so we were living with my grandma's or living with my grandma and seeing people roll up all throughout our town. Cause we live, you know, Bender is a real small yeah. community, but like everybody's pretty, for the most part, pretty tight, pretty yeah. real close knit. Yeah. And like seeing people roll up and just drop bags and trash bags and clothes off. And I'm like, dude, I had, I didn't have any of this like growing up, you know, like yeah. now I've got, I'm wearing name brand clothes and shit like that. Like it, it kind of, it, it felt good at the time, but like now looking back at it, I'm like, dude, me being so prideful that I am now, I'm like, I didn't need that shit. Like I would have, yeah. I would work my, I would work my ass off to yeah. just to have something, you know, yeah. a pair of jeans versus four pair of jeans that people were giving away, Yeah. you know, and like seeing my community come together and stuff like that for, for, for my family was a big, a big thing. And, um, like, even the guys that my dad works with, like, at, at, that worked with at the time, like, they threw a big benefit and stuff like that, raised, like, something crazy. It was, like, $50,000 or something like that. And it was just kind of one of those things where I was, like, I'm just here, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know what's going on necessarily, but now that I'm in my older, now that I'm older, you know, more mature yeah. and stuff like that, I'm looking at it and I'm, like, damn, like, all these people did that for me. Yeah. You know, so, like, every, every chance that I get to kind of do benefits or stuff like that i'll kind of just i'll just you know reach out a helping hand because like you don't know what they're going through yeah you know everybody takes shit differently yeah but um it's just it's different everybody feels differently about stuff like that yeah. and like that was kind of like my take on it was you know i'm, I'm too prideful for this you know yeah. so it's, it's kind of like when you ask yourself like when do you choke the pride up and take the hand out versus yeah. Just. And that's hard for a lot of people because I feel like for so long, um, and I mean, I still think it's an important value to have to, you know, work for things that you want and stuff like that. But in situations like that where you have to just swallow your pride and say, <laughs> this is my only option, yeah. you know, it, it can feel really fucking shitty and almost humiliating, you know, to feel like, like, oh, it, it's just embarrassing. Like, I need this help, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. And I obviously cannot relate to my fucking home burning down. Um, <laughs> yeah. But Jesus, that was so sad. I almost teared up and I was like, <laughs> I can't sit here and fucking cry about this, you know? But like, that was so fucking, I never knew that about you. That was so fucking sad. But I'm glad that your community came together, you know? And I feel like, I feel like that's actually missing in a lot of communities is that Absolutely. that banding together and saying, you know what, like this is a family that's in need and we're all going to work together mm -hmm. to make sure that they make it through. You yeah, know? I and, feel that's, like and that's one of the big things that I do give the the boss, the, my wife's boss or whatever. She, that's one thing I give her fucking hats off to is she, every time somebody would have like a, a disastrous situation mm -hmm. or something happens and they're going through loss and stuff like that. Every time, you know, she'd be like, she'd come up on Facebook or come up on her business page and be like, yeah. hey, let's, you know, I'm trying to get let's this together and stuff like yeah. that, you know, because like I said, again, like Bender is such a tight knit community yeah. and we're trying to keep that, you know, as it is. Yeah. And like big cities like 
San Antonio or Houston and stuff like that. Nobody, nobody does no. that. You know, it's like a, it's like a drive. It's like a clothing drive or things yeah. like that. And even then, it's like hard to get participants. Like recently, um, I, as you know, the tornado came through our town, mm. and I guess I was so used to living in. Fayetteville when we were at Bragg it was a terrible place to fucking live and so coming to Clarksville you know after the tornado it was just like I was not prepared because Clarksville is like a big town but then it's not really you know and like we have one electric company for the whole town it's good um and so when I think it was a little over 20,000 people lost power our Mm -hmm. our house included you know we were out we were without power for like four and a half days and so obviously everything fridge and freezer went bad mm. um the temperatures in tennessee right now are like especially at the time they were like low 20s you know so our house was freezing cold and whenever you've got two dogs a cat and four kids yeah you know, it's and, never easy and like they're all freezing their ass off we're mm. living by candlelight during the day we're having to sit in the car for hours on end and zach and i People who know, know we are not the people to ask for favors. You know, yeah. we are always the people that are like, our home is open to you. Mm. Please don't ever feel like you have to open your home to us, you know? Yeah. We are those kinds of people. And so we were just like, it was the first three days. We were toughing it out. We would <laughs> um, go to sleep by candlelight or, or we would hang out a little bit. Um, with the candlelight, and then we would go to sleep because their um, sunset was at, like, 4.30. So, like, not good for the people who are super depressed, you know. Like and um, we've got four kids to try to keep busy, you know. And so yeah. we were going to bed at 6 o'clock because it was, like, it's pitch black. And yeah, what else do you have to do? Yeah, and so then we'd wake up. Um, we'd get their diapers changed and everything. The kids would be crying because they were so cold, you know. Um, and then we would immediately get in the car go get breakfast, sit in the car for a couple hours, go back home, hang out, leave again, go get lunch and dinner, sit in the car for a couple hours, then go back home and go to sleep. You know, it was just like, and then there was one night we ate dinner in the driveway in the trunk of my car with the heater running just so that the kids could have a warm place to eat dinner. A warm meal, you know. Yeah, and it was like... We, you know, and we couldn't even take warm showers because... um, our water heater, you know, that we had you no hot water. Yeah. yeah, so it was just like, this fucking sucks. So finally, um, I think it was day four, he, because he kept saying, I want you to go to a friend's house, you know, and I kept saying, like, you're my husband. I'm not going to make you sleep in the fucking cold. Like, this mm. is fucking ridiculous, you know, and he's like, you need to take you and the kids, and I was worried about the dogs, and I was worried about him, and he's like, don't worry about me, you know? He's like, I sleep in the field. This ain't fucking nothing. Yeah. Um, and so finally, I cave, and I'm like, okay, reach out to Drew. And shout out to fucking Drew, because he helped us a lot. And, you know, he was like, hey, you know, is it okay if we come to your house so we can charge the kids' iPads, get some movies downloaded so that they can watch them without Wi-Fi? Yeah, shower. Like, you know, don't, yeah. don't forget that part, shower, you know? And he's like yeah, man, come on over, you know? And then when he found out how our past three days went, he's like, what the fuck is wrong with all? Like, yeah, just stay here. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've been here with power because, you know, being military, I mean, be, he lives on base. Mm-hmm. Um, being a military base, like, they were without power for maybe two hours. Yeah, you had to have power. And then everything went back on, you mm-hmm. know? And the rest of us, it was just like, yeah, fuck you, you know? Yeah. But um, he was like, why Why didn't you call me? Why didn't you tell me that you were going through all of this? And, you know, 
and we didn't want we didn't want to ask for help we didn't want to be those people you know and then my friend lauren gracefully let us take all of our disgusting smelling clothes out of our washer because we were in the middle of doing clothes for our yeah. texas trip um we had to wring them all out take them i had to take them to her house with my four crazy kids <laughs> wash i think it was like three or four loads of laundry she was so graceful about it so helpful and you know um eventually our power came on but then we packed and left for texas and yeah. um it was just so nice to see that like when we needed people mm-hmm. they showed up oh, you know absolutely. and it even just in our community you know people were because i think it said there was like 260 something structures that were like permanently fucking down damaged you know and part of this was homes um i think there were a couple casualties um and it was it was just really sad it was really devastating it was a couple weeks before christmas and so you're seeing all of these families lose their homes and these kids you know their christmas is ruined you know mm-hmm. everything they own is like be, it's like tossed around within a mile radius you know yeah. it's yeah. so fucking sad and we're driving through all the damage and you know thankfully we only got some a, a minimal damage to our roof and you know obviously we were without power and stuff like that but it was like those reminders of like thank god we have a car yeah thank god we have a place to you know be warm and stuff like that but what i what i was expecting a fayetteville approach to it yeah. i wasn't expecting like, clarksville yeah. to come together and just be a community i mean yeah. there were restaurants that were like giving out free food free food yeah. you know there were um i think there was a red cross shelter at the local high school and then you know people were opening up their homes like mm-hmm. hey um i know it's really hard to find places that will allow pets bring your pets over here i got them yes. you know or hey um your family needs a room to sleep in until you can figure out a situation with the house like here you know airbnb places were like our house is open yeah. free of charge to people who need this shit. you know hotels were cutting down prices the whole town the whole community even parts of kentucky mm-hmm. you know in um hopkinsville and oak grove those are like really close to clarksville because clarksville is right on the border mm-hmm. um everyone came together free food free clothing they i mean and then the community started first it was like getting everybody warm fed showered and safe mm-hmm. and then after that it was like oh fuck what about the kids and christmas and stuff like that the way that people were just donating shit that they put under their tree for their own kids mm-hmm. and said you know what my kids will live you know they'll yeah. be good they have like 10 other things to open yeah taking this shit in and just banding together and having that sense of community i i haven't seen that in fucking years i'm i'm from small town texas i'm from gonzalez you know and gonzalez knows how gonzalez works when shit goes down everyone comes together Mm -hmm. and i had forgot what that felt like you know but then to see it especially in a military town i was like this is fucking incredible you know like it's something that like could have 100 percent shattered the entire community it was just like everybody had the collective thought of like this is not gonna fucking break us yeah we're gonna work our way through this shit and like for sure you know and and so it's good to have that sense of community that can come together and you know be like what do you need i will provide it you know Mm -hmm. oh yeah absolutely you know and 
that's that's what was crazy about when we had our house fire is like everybody that like all of my friends that i knew and stuff like yeah. that were like oh dude you can come stay here you can come stay here and like yeah. me being in middle school i'm like man i, don't, I wish i had that decision you know yeah. i'd come stay with you one day and you with the other day yeah. but you know we had to kind of keep it keep it close and family together and stuff like yeah. that and um it, it's just it's amazing to see a community like that if you haven't experienced it it's amazing to yeah. do that you know and it's just it's it's a, and it's, it's, it's like a good reminder too yeah. that like humanity at its core still exists because yeah. i feel like it's really hard to keep that alive it's really hard to remember especially with all the bullshit going on today you know to remember that humanity can still be kind can still be good can still be innocent you know and yeah. So when you get those reminders or when you see this stuff going on with communities um, and you're able to see like, like you're just able to see the love and you're able to see everybody come together. It's just, it's such a good reminder that like humanity can, humanity can still be good. There yeah. can still be good things that come out of it and people still have good hearts. And, you know, I feel like I talk about a lot of heavy shit on here and, it's just, it's good to have those glimpses of... Light. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, like it just, almost like you're living in a world where it's like you're stuck in a dark forest and there's just somebody at the end with a little lantern, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you this gotta way, follow it, like, you know? I'll help you, yeah. you know? It's, it's just so good to get those reminders and be reminded that not everything is so fucking sad and depressing and evil. You yeah. Know? And I think that's just what, that's just, that's what the generation today is leading everybody to believe is that it's a, everything's so dark and, yeah. and everything's fucked up. Everything and, is, yeah. everyone's out to get you. Every, everybody wants to see you fail. And yeah, it, you're going to get what you're looking for. And regardless of what it may be, happy, yeah. sad, depressing, what, you know, whatever it may be, but it's just a matter of who you surround yourself with. And, it just kind of what you do in your life yeah. you know like i'm not by any means saying that i'm going to walmart on christmas day and giving to salvation army or anything like that but you know i give we so for example a guy at work you know i'm, I'm not gonna say no names but he lost his son you know in an hour and a half after uh his wife gave birth Oh, man. And so he'd been out for a while and they finally brought it up to us at work and they were like, hey, listen, this is what's going on and stuff like that. Well, what I like about my company is the managers and the big wigs and stuff like that of my area, they can't be involved in benefits and stuff like that. So all of us, you know, peons or, yeah. you know, you know, journeymen and helpers, whatever, apprentices. They, we all kind of band together and kind of yeah. pitch in and say, you know, it, it, he may not need money, but it's it's the least that we can do yeah. is kind of just give him money. And it will offer him that little yeah. bit of comfort to know that, that that's at least something he won't have to worry yeah, about. Yeah, because normally every day to day, you know, we don't speak to our, each other nicely or anything yeah. like that, you know. Like, like sometimes at the end of the day, we'll be screaming at each other. But the next day that comes up, you know, it'll be, hey, man, you know, how's it going? You know, how, yeah. how are you doing? Yeah. And stuff like that. And everything's genuine. Yeah. And um, that's what I really like about the company that I work for now because it's, in a sense, like the military. Okay. Because it's day-to-day -day life is derogatory and, you're, you know, you're just verbally berating other people. Yeah. But at the end of the day, you know, when, when you take the boots off, everybody's a family in a sense, you know. 
And while we're like we we're talking about the angel tree stuff, um, this past year, this past Christmas was the first time I've ever done angel tree. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna do it this year. And I told my wife, I was like, yeah, you don't have a choice. I'm doing it regardless. Yeah. And so what was funny is she's been getting into Legos a lot. And the kid that I pulled, he's a 10 year old kid. And um, his favorite thing was Legos. So, oh, like, we cute. spent like $150, $200 on just Lego stuff for yeah. him, you know? And it's also fun, though, to like be able to indulge in your childhood yeah. self, you know? Yeah, be for like, sure. dude, this kid is cool as fuck. I'm gonna buy him all the cool shit, you well, know? I had to call one of my friends who has a kid about his age, and I was like, dude, like, what do kids this age like? Yeah. You know, like, especially like boys and stuff like yeah. that. I was like, what kind of Legos would they want, you know? Yeah. Because he said his favorite thing was Legos, and I was like, they've got so much stuff nowadays, you know? And he's like, uh, let me go ask my son real quick. He's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, what do you like? You know, and he told me, so I was like, all right, cool, I'm getting one of these, one of these, one of these, yeah. you know? So we, like, we like set them up pretty good, yeah. you know? At least, hopefully, for, for a good Christmas. And it's, it's good to do things like that, um, you know, to to have those moments where you take time to just be a decent human being, you know, I definitely think it's important to one, swallow your pride when you need assistance and <laughs> embrace the, embrace the help from the community, but then also be the person who helps in the community, yeah. you know, be, be somebody who, you know, says, Oh, I, I got an extra 20 bucks, you know, like, let me, let me go drop it off, you know? And it's like, I feel like, it's really hard, especially in today's world, you know, with inflation and everything going up and stuff like that. But you don't have to spend a lot to do a good thing. You know, you can donate your time. Time is really yeah. important. Or blood. You can always donate blood. That's important, too. And sometimes you get paid for it, you know. And so, like, um, it's just one of those things I, f I feel like everybody needs to do some good stuff to help balance out all the bad shit. And then as more people do more good things, it's easier to focus on that and, and yeah. not be stuck in this, like the world is all doom and the gloom. The dark and, hole. Yeah, and we're all just like floating into a black hole. We're gonna be all swallowed up and, yeah. you know, I mean, there's still some times where I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh my God, what is my existence, you know? Yeah. But other than that, it's like, if you focus on the good shit and like, I'm, I'm an emotional person, okay? So like, when I see really sad shit, I cry my eyes out. When I see really happy shit, I cry my fucking eyes out. And I'm the kind of person where like, if I'm listening to something that's either really happy or really sad, I'll cry. If I'm watching it, I'll cry. If I'm talking about it, I'll cry, you know? Mm. <laughs> so it's like, I prefer if I'm crying about good things. Happy stuff. Oh, well, I yeah. mean, I think everybody would, honestly, but, yeah, you know, and that's, that's kind of where I go, not necessarily against you, but like sometimes when I'm in a when I'm in a dark hole or whatever, like mm -hmm. I like to be there. I don't know. It's it's just kind of I, no. I guess there's no shame the, in that. There's yeah. no shame in that. Well, I just I, I like to be in that hole and I like to be where nobody talks to me and nobody does this to me. Nobody. You have to embrace that sometimes. You have to yeah, be able to just for like sure. like sit with yourself yeah. and say like I'm fucked up. Today. And and what's weird is like I'll scroll on TikTok and you know and I'll I'll. Uh, I'll get into a hole of just like dark shit, you know, and it's, and it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily like morbid or anything yeah. like that, but it's just kind of like realizations and like quotes that kind of bring, bring you around I circle, you like to, to full yeah. circle, you know, and I'll just sit there and my wife would be like, why are you still on that? Why are you doing that? And I'm like, uh, I, would it be weird? Would it sound weird if I like it, you know? And yeah. it's just, that's just, that's just how I am, you know, yeah. like. 
Well, and you need to, like I was saying, you need to be able to sit with it. And because if you can accept that side of you mm -hmm. and you can sit with that part of yourself who sometimes needs to just like be in sadness yeah then i feel like that's a, a that's a pretty good level of self-awareness you know yeah. and i feel like a lot of people maybe feel shameful about that you, but you shouldn't it, like you know. yeah you shouldn't feel like you shouldn't feel embarrassed or ashamed or you know anything like that to be somebody who's like Today, I'm fucking sad, and I just want to be sad. You know, you should be able to fucking do that. Yeah. And I feel like it's important, especially for your mental health, to take the bad with all of the good, sit with it, say, okay, this is what I'm fucking feeling, recognizing it, and not fucking bury it, especially, especially if you are a man. Yeah. Because I feel like, especially in this, in this generation, I feel like men are finally being able to be comfortable and say hey you know what like we're gonna talk about this shit we're not gonna fucking bury it because for generations and generations and generations past it was like you're fucking gay if you cry you're a fucking well, yeah, everybody and, everybody had that stigma of yeah. oh you're the man of the house like you're you're not supposed to show weakness you or represent like that. you represent yeah. your home and things like that and and i'm there's you know like i've said on past episodes there's a healthy level of masculinity, you know, that is really attractive in men. And, you know, that's what gets you the wife and the kids. And that's what gets you a family because it's like, yeah. you're such a man and you're so hot. Yeah. But then there's a certain level where it's just too much. It's like gone off the deep end. And it's yeah. like whole, it's like the extremism with, it, that's with where women as well. You know, That's like, where it begins to be toxic masculinity yeah, and stuff and like that. Yeah, and it's like you should be able to express your emotions and sit with them and acknowledge them so that you can because when you do that you're also creating a better relationship with your spouse yeah you're creating a better relationship with your children with your family you're yeah. able to be more human and mm. not so much of this big macho robot you know mm. like you're able to have more genuine connections with people and i feel like i could i could literally cry about the way that i am starting to see you know, the men in my life show their emotions more and stuff. It brings me so much happiness because it's mm -hmm. like, yes, like I, I'm rooting It makes you, you. Ecstatic, ecstatic almost, you yeah. know? Yeah, and it's because... like, I love that so much for you. I love that you can just be yourself and you can tell me, hey, I'm not having a good fucking day and you no. can stand firm in that and say, no, I'm just going to have a bad day. Like, I fucking love watching the men in my life be able to fucking do that. Because for so long, I feel like I've watched them all just, like, tuck that shit down and then suffer in silence. Yeah, they deteriorate, you know, yeah. until they hit that breaking point. When they hit that breaking point, it's catastrophic for, yeah. for everybody around them. And for some people, it is literally a life or death situation. Yeah, and so absolutely. I 100%, like, if you are a man in my life and you're going through your journey of finding your your oneness with your emotions and being able to sit with it and growing that emotional maturity i'm so fucking proud of you i'm so glad that you are finding your comfort in that and being a human and having the human experience and being able to soften up a bit and just be like a good man you know i feel like we need more of that so keep doing that shit teach your buddies about it tell your children about it maybe tell your dad because some of them are fucking crazy you know so like yeah 
and that's like one of the things like one of my little TikTok holes that I I was on, you know, is um one of the, one of the influencers that I follow quite a bit, you know, some of a lot of his stuff's pretty funny, but when he gets serious, he gets serious, you know, yeah. and like one one of his I guess his quotes or whatever, you know, is um I hope you wake up this morning and somebody tells you that they're proud of you. Yeah. You know, and that he, shit go, makes he me cry. well he goes on, he goes on. And he's like, and I hope that somebody's you, you know, like basically looking. Oh, that's a gut punch. <laughs> you know, and basically, basically what it is 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 looking in the mirror and telling yourself that you're proud of yourself, you know, and yeah, that's what a lot of I feel like men nowadays with this toxic masculinity ego and stuff like yeah. that, they don't, they don't tell themselves they're proud of them. I don't tell myself I'm proud of myself, you me know, neither. because you know, because I don't, I don't feel like I've accomplished enough in my Same. life, but that's just because I hold myself. At a higher standard, of yeah. course, you know, and like watching all these like affirmations and uh, big influencers and stuff talk about um, men and their mental health and stuff like that, especially in December because it's men's mental health. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just it's crazy. It's insane, yeah. you know. And that it, was it's a, good. It's it's what men need. I feel like it. I feel like they need other men standing up and saying like. But that, I don't know how you want, that would make me cry. I would be like, I, you know which ones fucking gets me every time? And it's like the ones that are like, you know who I am so proud is still here and stuck around. And then it's like, it's like the picture ones. And the next yeah. slide is just like a black screen. So it's your reflection. It's, yeah. Instant tears. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. You know, or the one ones that are like, I always send those to Caitlin. <laughs> I feel so bad, but it's like, I am so happy that she's still here, you yeah. know? And it's like, um... I, I see those all the time. I'm like, fuck me, you know. Yeah. Like it and, just... and it's 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 not easy to like to because you relate. I feel like at least for me, like I relate so much to these TikToks and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's like, fuck man, you know. Like I'm, I gotta be I gotta be strong right here, yeah. you know. Because like one of the big ones that that I repost and I share and stuff like that is, um, of course they're all military shit and stuff yeah. like that. But it's like, um. To, it says like the first screen is like to my brother, you know, yeah. who I care, who I love. And then you swipe and it says, I hope you overcome the battles that you tell no one about. Oh, <laughs> my God. That's a gut punch. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, you know, and that's like when I tell you that I get into these holes, like that's what yeah. all of my holes are about. Yeah, my husband know. will send me shit like that all the time <laughs> where it's like to the woman I love. And then it's like a poem about like you're such a great mom. And I'm like crying on the couch as the kids are screaming in the background i'm like <laughs> yeah. okay yeah. you know and i'm like sobbing my eyes out but i also sit to him those as well and i'm also yeah. like like i want you to know you know like i'm proud of you I'm, i i watch your growth and yeah. i've seen how far you come and if nobody has fucking told you i am fucking proud of you yeah. and i feel like more people need to hear that because oh, i know absolutely. when i hear that shit immediate tears immediately i'm like Okay, yeah. let me let me excuse myself real quick, you know, and like so I yeah. always try to make sure that I'm telling people no matter what it is that they've accomplished, you know, that like I'm proud of you for being able to work through your shit and yeah. find yourself emotionally and you know, like I see it every day. I see, mm. I see the work that you're putting in mm. to still be here. And yeah. that's a lot. That is a lot of shit to fucking go through and to deal with and it's a lot to carry and I feel like sometimes it's an invisible load yeah absolutely. and it doesn't get recognized you know but people deserve to be recognized 
for putting in the work to still be here. Mm -hmm. And so I, I am proud of you. I am proud of how far you've come. And I am proud that you are still here and you're waking up every day like, okay, you know, you may hate it, but you're still <laughs> fucking here, yeah. you know? And Let's I'm, get this fucking day over with, you yeah, know? Yeah, and I, I'm so proud of that. The same way that, you know, I'm proud of my husband for continuing to push forward, you know, in his military career when he really was like, this is it, I'm fucking done. Yeah. You know, and like... And when you get to that point, because I've been to that point, you know, I got to that point probably about my... my When I hit my three-year mark, mm -hmm. you know, I was just kind of... I threw the towel in, you know, I was like, yeah. I'm done. You do. I gave up. I didn't have no morale, like no morale, no, no want, no yeah. need, you know? So I was just kind of like, this is, this is kind of bullshit, dude. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to be here anymore, you know? Yeah. And, um, if it wasn't for the guys that showed up every morning with me to, you know, suffer with me, you know, yeah. cause there, there's a saying, I'm sure you've heard it. It's kind of like, uh, embrace the suck, yeah. you know? So it's 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 kind of a condescending statement, yeah. Because you're in the shittiest of situations you've ever been in, you know. And but it's creating camaraderie. It's it's creating that that band. That and so like for example, when I was in Twenty Nine Palms, it was we were there in the winter time, so it was fuck. I think it got down to nineteen degrees. Oh my god! And it was that. I wouldn't say raining, but it was like sleeting. Yeah, you know and. It was just kind of like, man, this shit fucking sucks. So I'm sitting there shivering in my sleeping bag, <laughs> yeah. you know. And I look over and I see two of my, you know, really good friends. Now they're down near my best friends. And they're sitting there shivering too. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're all in this together. We can't help but smile and laugh <laughs> yeah. at each other, you know. Because yeah. like, they're like, damn, you look like a fool. And they're like, oh, no, you look like a fool. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it's like kind of like one of those things that if you suffer with somebody else that you care about, it's it makes it that much better. Yeah. You know, and that's just one of my big things is. I tell a lot of people, I'm like, they're like, oh, how you doing today? And, you know, I'm just, I tell them, I tell them honestly, you know, I'm living, dude, you yeah. know, because living, I feel like is just one of the, the, the midline responses of just, I'm not doing the best. I'm not doing the worst, but I'm you know, what? I'm here, yeah. you know, I'm here to, but do that my is a thing. lot. And that, it's, like I was saying earlier, that deserves recognition. And if you are one of those people where you feel like you're, you are struggling to get by, that you are, you know, barely surviving, that you are barely holding on. I am proud of you for still choosing to wake up in the morning, continue breathing, continue living. I am proud of you for that. I'm sure you have plenty of friends, plenty of family who are also proud of you for that. It is no small feat. It deserves recognition. And yeah, you should be proud of yourself, you know, and that's, that's another thing. You know, I, I agree that people you know, like you said, you were watching those TikToks and stuff like that. I feel like, I feel like people do. They they need to be able to say, you know what? I did a damn good fucking job. You know? Yeah. And they need they need words of affirmation. You know, and it yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to come from somebody else. It can come yeah. from themselves or because like I'm not one to like hype myself up by any means. But, I can't you know. do that. I don't know how people like put the sticky notes and they're they like when I write on their mirrors. In yeah, the if I look at myself <laughs> in the mirror and I'm like, you are enough in my head. I'm thinking you dumb fucking bitch. You look like, like an idiot. Yeah, you know? <laughs> like this is the dumbest thing I've ever yeah. done. It's embarrassing. I get like I get embarrassment from it, you yeah. know. And that's like another thing you're saying, like you're saying you, you sent Zach all these you know, like, oh, I'm proud of you and stuff like that. Like, I'll come across stuff like that and or it'll be like, um, hey, mom, you know, it'll be this this dude or whoever it may be talking yeah. to the camera. They're like, 
I don't know if anybody's told you recently, but I love you. I'm proud of you and yeah. stuff like that. You know, oh I like. <laughs> I bet your mom is just like. <laughs> well, I, I make sure and I send it to my mom or yeah. anybody that's in my friends list that that, yeah. that is a mother. Yeah. You know, and I'll do the same thing for for the fathers. You know, yeah. like now I'll go, I'll go on like a tangent and look for like, oh, what about the dads and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, and I'll find the ones about the dads yeah. and I'll send it to all my friends that have kids. You yeah. know, like. And, you know, it's it's just that little bit of effort that you put in that yeah. can change their whole outlook on anything. And I'm telling you, you right know? now, it probably does change them. Yeah. Because when I get videos like that from my friends, it makes an impact, you know? And it's like just to know that someone out there is thinking of you, yeah. even for a minute, it makes a difference. It makes it feel like I'm not completely alone. You're not a peon in this world full of... Yeah. And it's, it's a good reminder to, like, check in on your friends, you know? Like, it's it's hard. We all have a lot of shit going on. We all, you know, are barely fucking surviving in today's yeah. world. But check in on your friends. It doesn't matter if it's a phone call, if it's a quick text. You don't have to respond immediately. Check in, get done what you need to do, check back in, you know? Send a fucking, Zach calls it sending it up, you know? Mm -hmm. Hey, you good? You know, that's, that's all it takes, a quick Snapchat. I mean, people are on their phones all the time. It is so easy to just send a quick check-in, you yeah. know? And you never know how much somebody could be needing that. Yeah, you know? and it, you're, you're saying that, like, Zach sends that, hey, you up, or hey, you good, or whatever, you know, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, I went through one of my little depressive states of TikTok, and I sent it to one of my buddies who, I mean, I haven't seen him physically since 2016 and but like we keep in contact like all the time and stuff like that and like i sent him like one one sad tiktok you know it wasn't even sad it was more of like those words of affirmation yeah. and stuff He's like, like that Dude, I need to and he, he texts me the next morning he goes you good dog yeah and, you know and i was just like man it kind of like warmed my heart you know like yeah. man you're thinking of me you know yeah. because not a lot of people do that it, it especially for for the male aspect of it yeah, you know like no. i'm sure like with the female aspect of it, like, you have your few select group that you talk to every yeah. day, you know, yeah. but hearing from somebody that you don't talk to every day yeah. and them asking, like, how are you doing or, yeah. or are you okay and stuff like that, it just kind of warms your heart a That's little bit. That's why, like, especially with Caitlin, you know, like, I don't talk to her every day. She's got a busy life. I've got a fucking insane goddamn <laughs> life, you know, yeah. with four heathens running around, you know, but there are times where it's just, like, She'll pop into my head randomly and then I'll text her and be like, hey, you know, like, I love you, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, especially like around this season, you mm -hmm. know, with her dad and everything like that. Like, I always try to make sure that I acknowledge that. And because that's that can be a really hard time for people to go through. You oh, know, absolutely. I know how I am, you know, around my birthday, around September. It's hard for me to go through, you know, big, significant times because of, you know, because my of stuff the, with my the sister. Past yeah, and so. And stuff. I try to check in with her. I try to check in with my girlfriends, with my male friends, you know, people who I met through Zach, you know, and they got out of the military. They mm. went back and moved back home and stuff like that. I try to check in with people where I can because I have been in a spot where I have, you know, contemplated my life and I had nobody. Mm -hmm. I had nobody reaching out to me. Yeah, you know? it, it kind of it makes you feel all warm and fuzzy when, like, you feel like you're doing that 1% that could yeah. could essentially save their lives yeah you know, and like, it's like it's like i know when i die 
I put in the work to mm. care about my friends. I yeah. put in the work to care about my family. I put in the work to make sure that people knew that they mattered. Yeah, it's a self-worth and it's self -worth like, type of thing. And like, I don't want it to be where, you know, I die and people are like, oh my God, you know, she's the biggest. I mean, people are probably gonna be like, she's the biggest <laughs> cunt ever, you know? Like, shut, put it on my fucking gravestone. Um, but for the most part, I want people to remember me by being the one who supported them, you know? Mm. And I, I try to be so loud in my support whenever I can, you know? Like, with you and Kate buying a house, I was like, I was so giddy, and I was like, oh my God, like, go you. This is, like, show me what it looks like. To put me on FaceTime, you know? Like, I try to be so supportive of my people because people need that. Oh, people need to know that there are people in their corner rooting for them I And mean, that they have a support system, too. Yeah, and know, that like... no matter what, there's somebody on the sideline with a big old sign saying, mm -hmm. I'm proud of you, I'm rooting for you, you yeah. know? And people need that it, because it does make you feel good. It does remind you that you are significant, that, and you, that matter. you matter. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like that, uh, what's that? I don't even know the cartoon. It's a movie, but it's like where this dinosaur elephant or whatever, like launches this dude across the cliff. And he's like, oh, whatever his name is, he's like, whatever you know calling out to him he's like go go save riley or whatever oh you know? my god uh, <laughs> you know um, you know what i'm talking about yes inside out yes no, yes yeah yes where it's her imagination it's her imaginary friend oh my god that scene is so sad <laughs> yeah. and he's like go yeah, go, go save, save riley, riley. Go take her to the moon yeah it's me. like go save yourself but you know essentially yeah, you know? and oh my god <laughs> so sad. who would bring that up oh my god <laughs> You don't absolutely have to have that support system of your friends, but have yeah. that support support system of yourself. You yeah, know, have that self worth and um, and know that you matter. Yeah, yeah, you matter. matter. Um, <laughs> I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I really sure. appreciate you sharing your stories with me and you know with everybody else. And I hope that you know that you matter, and that I am proud of you. And you matter. <laughs> And I'm proud I'm gonna of you. Go, I'm going to go home and cry about it now. You're already home. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm going to go to the other room real quick. I'm going to go cry my fucking eyes out. Anyways, um, if you're not yet, please subscribe. I am available on YouTube, Spotify, Facebook, and Instagram. So you can follow along on any of those platforms. You can set up your notifications so that you get notified when there's a new video up or a new episode up over on Spotify. Also... I am now part of the listener support program. So if you ever want to waste a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, you know, on something stupid, you can join in the listener support. You know, my current goal is working towards a computer so I don't have to do all my editing on my phone. But obviously there's no obligation. I support you even just listening, you know, and sharing my podcast with people. I really appreciate it. Um, if you haven't already, please give this video a thumbs up. Let me know how you like it. Let me know if you can relate to anything. And I will see you guys in the next episode. Stay cool.